This episode is brought to you by the Project Manga Patreon, the best way for viewers to support the project and allow us a means to keep providing new and quality content to our subscribers. Go to patreon.com slash projectmanga and find out more about the perks we have available to patrons, including early access to all of our content and exclusive videos like behind-the-scenes footage and additional manga reviews. That's patreon.com slash projectmanga. All right, let's get into the episode. Welcome back to the Project Manga Podcast, where we cover Ayashimon, Mission Yozakura Family, Jujutsu Kaisen, Dr. Stone, My Hero Academia, and One Piece. Week to week, back this week covering Weekly Shonen Jump, issue number 14. I'm your host, Eagle. Knox. And I'm Ella Yenis. And as always, before we get started, we would ask that you take a look in that description box down below where you can find links to any and all of our individual social media accounts, such as Twitter online communities like Discord, audio listening platforms to consume the podcast on, as well as uh, links to support the show, such as our Patreon or our online store. Also, while you're down there, slap a like on the video to help us climb the algorithms and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already to uh, get more Fire S Weekly content such as this. <laughs> also, timestamps down there will allow you to conveniently navigate through the video and avoid sections for spoilers, you know, stuff like that. Um, yes. Also, let us know in the comment section, being that this is the final week of coverage for Dr. Stone, um, what series you think we should replace it with on the show? So yeah, we'd like your suggestions, we'd like your input and feedback, so yeah, just just do that, please and thank you. And yes. with all those words said, <laughs> mm, good yeah. weekend jump, full roster, man. Bigger week than usual, I want to say. I feel like everything is just yeah. like so crazy right now Ayashimon, dr stone mission Yozakura family everything is on such a high point obviously dr stone ending but everything else is yeah. just like shit. i mean well, yeah it, i think it's weird because i we noticed that they sort of sync up a yeah lot of they tend to don't they yeah and part of me wonders if that is a little bit of like editorial influence because i remember seeing um like the little like author comments yeah sync up yeah. and like a lot of the author comments were saying like oh hey dr stone it was great boichi fantastic art all this stuff mm -hmm. yeah so i'm just like maybe i feel like they're all kind of kept in a loop maybe kicking it have a small enough social circle that they're just like yeah, maybe you know, of course you talk about stuff <laughs> like what like, you what you what you doing right now i think i'm about to have that. it go into this like all right well i'm gonna I'm do something crazy too then yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gotta hype each other up. Yeah, type shit. Well, with that said, I think we should just go ahead and jump right into it. Yes, sir. Ayashimon, chapter 14. Mm -hmm. What about you? Banger. Yeah. This one was like... Chapter oh, this This is... The, the developments in this chapter are like right on time for Ayashimon for me. I'm not gonna say that I was like starting to get to a point where I was like worried about like the direction that it was going in, but like having Maruo kind of like unlock this new area of his like psyche in combat especially with like this link with urara and whatnot to like kind of like bring mm -hmm. his you know bring him in you know what i mean so he's not just throwing haymakers wildly he has like a new yeah. 
avenue that he can go down and actually like get creative with what he's doing in combat instead of just throwing fists i think that that's just like beautiful right now plus it's deepening the bond between you know him and urara and it's just like a whole bunch of gang shit going on in this chapter too and i just love everything about it right now definitely definitely i think um go ahead Mello. sorry oh no it's fine i was just uh the thing that i really it was found interesting was the idea that the duel is a true battle of soul so like I know that I kind of called um, him just, like, waiting for him to hit him, grab yeah. on, and then, like, climb on top of him. But the part that really threw me, and I'm really glad that they, you know, didn't make it as something as a simple transaction of that, is when yeah. he punched him, he's like, that doesn't feel right. And he's like, nah, man, this ain't a battle of strength. That helps. But this is a battle of souls. This is your conviction. You don't have any. Right. That's why it don't work on me, dude. Yeah, that's so um, good. Like, you have your strategy. You figured it out. But you don't have any of the remaining chutzpah left to apply to what you're doing for yeah. it to be effective. And I think that that's also great because if it was just as simple as, oh, I have a new avenue to take in my fighting style now that I have this like tattoo link with Urara and she's kind of like my guy in the chair, like my oracle if you read detective comics. But like someone shouting, you know, directions to me mentally making me making it easier for me to think now I have the new thing to do. And he doesn't just win off of that you know off of that epiphany it's you nice. know what i mean yeah he still has more to go and i think that that's really cool that kaku yuji made that decision to not just have that be the solution just because it's new yeah because uh you know looking at pa maru on page five right like got you now haha <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. no pupils no thoughts just brute force even on like eight and nine, he's not looking at his opponent when he strikes him either mm. like he's not like pupils aren't there and mm. it it really makes me wonder, like, Maru is an interesting character because he seems like such a, like a rock lump of clay, right? Yeah. That has so much strength, so much potential. But the parts that we seem to enjoy out of this chapter, like you yourself said, is like, oh, yeah, I'm glad that he's expanding his, like, fighting style beyond just haymakers. I want, like, I think it's important that this character has... Like, is emotionally stunted. Yes. Yes. But, like, his power is going to come from emotional growth. So I'm really interested because that emotional growth and that sort of, like, bold bolstering of his conviction will make him stronger as a whole. Yeah. And so I'm really interested to see that sort of direction go forward in Yashima. You said something interesting about like how he's like not even looking where he punches just because his like eyes are white and that's like interesting because like normally i would just think oh he's like we see that all the time in manga when their eyes go white when they're in like the middle of a very powerful attack or something or they just want to make them look like scary or demonic i never really thought of it that way but if that is like an indicator that you know maruo is kind of like just like blacking out or something and just like swinging like just like acting entirely on instinct that would be cool if after he comes out of this new like mental upgrade in combat that he kind of has that and that we know that he's going to eventually you know bring out of himself to get this w possibly like whatever whenever he comes back with this like soul conviction that he needs to to pull this out i wonder if we'll see him with you know pupils as he's delivering like final blows instead of just whited out eyes because if that is like a visual cue that he 
doesn't have all of his facilities about him while he's fighting, then that would be cool to see a visual difference there after he does kind of, you know, reach his, you know, level that he needs to be to fight this dude with his yeah. soul or whatever. <laughs> I think that'd be sick. I never thought about that. I'm going to be watching for that now. Yeah, it's tough to say, I guess, because after that dialogue on page eight, when he hits him in the heart directly, mm -hmm. he still has the whited out eyes in the panel afterwards. So it's. Uh, yeah, that's what we're talking about, right? So mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah. Like so he gets pupils when he's like, "Hang on, that didn't feel right." Like the moment he's actually thinking, like, yeah. which is to say time, that while he's striking, like he's that. not thinking, right? Yeah, so he's like saying, like, even though like, we just got this dialogue from him saying that, like, my head is clear now, I am kind of thinking about it. Sure, but basically, what I think what he was saying is, or what we were trying to say is that, like, if he is still like he has his wits about him, I guess. But, like, he's still... He still no, feels like he's lashing out. Like, I, I guess like... I guess the only reason why I'm still saying I like the idea is because he is still missing a piece of this combo that he needs to beat this dude. Mm. So, like, when he has all of the facilities necessary to beat him, I wonder if there will be a difference in his facial expressions when he fights. But that is a good point. He definitely does say that, no, I am thinking clearly <laughs> before he punches him. So maybe it is still just, like, a we wipe the eyes out when we're going crazy kind of manga thing that we see all the time. But but I do want to see, like, a level of intention from, like, yeah, he can say, he's like, you know, I'm not just fighting for me, I'm fighting for the gang. But does he, like, deep, like, is he saying that because he wants to be a shonen protagonist? Or is he saying that because he genuinely believes that? Or is he, like, deep down just viewing Urara and the whole situation surrounding her as an avenue for strong opponents for his own motivations of I want to fight strong people. Yeah. And you either know, way, regardless like, of what it is, I'm going to be looking at his eyes after this and seeing if there's a difference when he fights. Because right. he's been having the white eyes whenever he like goes crazy pretty much this entire time. And if that's yeah. more than just like a visual cue of like bloodlust and savagery, and it really is like a yo, you're blacking out, you're not even thinking straight when you're fighting, even though he does say it, so it feels like it's not a thing, but I'm still going to be watching that shit. Still going to be looking yeah, for it. Yeah, I mean, it, I like it might just be this sort of, like, um... Oh, not, like, a full dissociation, but, mm. like, he talks about how he's feeling on the first page. Blood, pulsing, hot. You know, very Frank Miller, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, magma inside me, yeah. pulsing sounds, hypes me up, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. very, very, very Frank Miller. Uh, but, like, it just, like, it doesn't feel like he's, like, it's not that he's not rational, it's just that he's more instinctively fighting. Like, he's always going to instinctively fight, right? Like, that's been his M.O., even when he was fighting Dopo, like, he was barely conscious, and he was still taking swings. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I think it's um, less, what's the word, intentional. Sure. You know? Like, the idea of, like, fighting with your convictions, as opposed to brute strength. The intent is, like, the emotional drive behind the fighting, whereas opposed to, like, normally, he's just like, I want to fight to validate myself, and I'm good at fighting. But he's using brute strength. He's not using. Yeah, and even muscle, if he's yeah, even if he's thinking a little bit more just to grab the scarf or whatever. Yeah. He's probably now that he has him dead to rights. 
probably putting his entire back into this attack in a blackout kind of way like he usually does because he doesn't think he has anything to worry about. So it could yeah. be that. Like now that now that he has him cornered. Now eyes go white. Crazy downward haymaker. So it could be something like that too. But yeah. I like that Urara started talking about how um sometimes the ring and the one on ones can be so big that it you can lose sight of the combatants, which I mean, up until this point, we've pretty much seen, like, smaller ones, right? Yeah, like, within a room size. of a building or, mm -hmm. you know, what you would think. <clears throat> so I think that's an interesting concept to have introduced. I wonder, if it, it, I wonder if it has to do with the abilities of the combatants or, like, maybe the power level or just straight up the setting. Like, because a lot of the ones we've seen have been in a building, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a couple that were outside. Like, the first one was outside in the first chapter. Like Uwan, yeah. Yeah, Uwan was outside. But like I think you're I think you're spot on though, Eagle, is that like depending on the abilities of the person might determine the size of the barrier because he even goes into it on page eleven. I don't know who's saying this, this like pig face dude. Um on the middle panel. He's like any faster and he'll zoom right out of the barrier. I don't know who says Ooh, that exactly. That is Urara through the tattoo. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Good shit, good shit. Any faster and he'll zoom right out of the barrier. But then right away, this dude says we have no barriers, almost like he's responding to that. <laughs> so that's like weird if he can like hear Urara too. I don't know if he would be able to. I don't know how loud she's being or if the spe if the tattoo is like a speaker or something and it's like coming out of the tattoo or if it's all like mm. mental or whatever. That's that's kind of weird to think about. But anyway, he he says we have no barriers. We race down whatever road we choose with nothing to stop us. That's cool. It's nice and poetic and it, it ties into like the size of the barrier thing and whatnot. But like that means that it has to be like based on the abilities like Eagle was saying though then. Because now this dude has a technique that has him literally all over the place in a matter of no time. So you would have to have a big barrier. Otherwise, he can't um, get like the full range of his capabilities if he's in a confined space. Or maybe that makes him stronger. Who knows? But Well, the previous chapter, they said, hey, we got the strip and this park. He might be at the edge of the park. Oh, sure. Because uh, like when they did the battle, like the second was just like, hey. We're going to use this strip. We're going to use the park. That's going to be our barrier. Anything around that, no one's going to notice. Like, so I feel, because you can see the park on page 12 and 13 where he's getting dropped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like they were just at the edge of it, to okay. be honest. Okay. Um, but I think that, yeah, it is interesting. I didn't realize, I, I didn't th catch that when... Koton was just like, yeah, we have no barriers. It's like, huh, Rara yeah. is just speaking. Like, so maybe like well, there, there is a possibility that there are actually a there is actually a barrier to the uh, the death match, and he's just saying that as like a character thing. Like we don't have any barriers. We race down whatever road we choose with nothing to stop us. Like he could, like yeah, he said that, but there probably still is a perimeter for the fight, and it's just massive. Mm -hmm. And he's just yeah. saying he's just saying shit to be cool. <laughs> yeah, I think he is. I, yeah. I mean, he is a very much a machismo character. I feel mm -hmm. like that's very much his character. He's like, we race down whatever road we choose. There are no barriers, and so he runs straight up the wall, like the wall of this building, apparently getting up way high and then just dropping him. Yeah, because you can see like this whole fish lens. Yeah. Kind of vibe on the twelve three spread and in the panel at the top of fourteen where he's dropping Moruo. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, that shit's wild. I wonder how he's going to come back. <laughs> I know the fall's not going to kill him because he's just like a tank like that. But I wonder like what kind of introspection we'll see. I I really hope it's not like focus on 10 and then Maruo comes back like, I know what I need to do now and then does the thing. I hope that we get like maybe some back and forth split perspective of 10 dealing with this Juan Yudo guy. I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure who, who, that's who this is. And then switching perspective back and forth between him and Maruo, who's like gathering himself, having some deep like inner writing of some kind. Yeah. And then figures out the soul thing and then comes back for whatever. But I hope it's definitely just like not just we don't see Maruo until he comes back like I figured it uh, out. Boom. I, you know. I think it's gonna be spliced into like little bits. Like yeah. there's gonna be a like there's gonna be a slice of like Next chapter is going to be a slice of, like, Kotan and Maruo. Hey, saying, like, good luck, get dead, hope your death's quick. Um, you hope your death is quicker than me. Um, and then he starts falling, cut to ten, vice fighting the Wanyudo Waku. Yeah. Um, halfway through that, another clip to zoom back to, like, Maruo. I feel like he's gonna do something where he's gonna like grip onto the side of the building and, and then just and just <laughs> nails yeah. on a chalkboard, hold himself through, maybe kicking a window as he slows himself down, like some shit like that. Lots of broken glass. I feel um, like he could just fall straight on the ground and be like, ah shit, and then just get up. He feel like he's dude, that strong. He just survive that, the fall. That falls that pretty an, fucking yeah. That falls pretty high. It but. Looks drastic. I feel <laughs> like he has to have some level of like self preservation yeah. for that. But then that would like trigger the conversation <clears throat> of Koton. It's like, man, why do you care? You're not that. It's like you're you're not all of that. Why do you keep hanging on? And then having that question, having to answer that question, might be something that like cements resolve in Maruo because like we had this conversation last episode mm -hmm. of talking about like you know saying something out loud means something yeah so I think there might be something like that where he's like why am I fighting like it's like why am I fighting yeah yeah so finding that finding that inner that inner drive asking those inner questions mm -hmm. oh yeah this 10 situation is cool. Um, I like the powers of the Juan Yudo guy. It reminded me a lot of like <laughs> Bluno from CP9 with the Doa Doa no Me. Where he'd like, anywhere he hit you turned into a door in like in East Lobby in One Piece. Mm. Um, he's like the, the CP9 with like the black suit and the bullhorn haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it reminded me of that. 10 getting this like new this like second wind or whatever he was ready to just be submissive like i can't fight you first he was kind of talking shit to him like really that's all your power does and then he like got hit with the fucking you know whirlwind shit and puked his brains out and was like all right i quit fuck it i'm weak you got this brother <laughs> like I'm, I, I can't do it and then he's like yeah you and your friends are trash and then he has like the hey wait a minute you can say whatever you want about me but you better not talk shit about my friends kind of moment and that's cool even though we've seen it a million times it fits for 10 um, especially with just the events of the history of the series up until this point. So it's great that he's getting mm -hmm. this moment right now. I have no idea what this like trump card thing 
that he's pulling out is i think it's a bomb or something because like i feel like it's not a part of any it's kind of ability mask, i think it's his oh, mask. oh his mask oh i keep it's forgetting yeah i keep forgetting about like the mask concept in the series okay okay it's a mask because i was sitting here going like, okay <laughs> yeah i was <laughs> i was sitting here like wait a minute because I know that his only ability Everyone is... Everyone talks is, tough until they're exploded. Yeah, like, no, well, I mean... <laughs> I, definitely, <laughs> I definitely did think it was a bomb. But I was sitting here going, like, man, like, this isn't his ability because he was just talking about how his ability is ceiling jumping and he doesn't have a ceiling right now, so he's cooked. And then now all of a sudden he's pulling out some new thing. And I'm like, is this a technique? No, it can't be. Is this, like, some kind of weapon? And I just, like, thought bomb because of its shape, but it's totally his mask. Mm -hmm. That's hilarious. I kind of want to see what he does with it. like. I still think that the overpass is going to be a big part of his ability. Damn, I didn't even realize that this dude has like fucking brake and clutch pedals on his fucking jacket, on his like right? chest. Yeah, so sick. It's, I love it. Yeah, like the I, I so like good. the little Mad Maxi design. I think Mad Maxian. Yeah. His um, his face. Reminds me of the wooden fish you get from like Buddhists. The oh little, wow! Like, I think I bell yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. With like a with like a little like rubber tire circling it, and yeah. he reminds yeah. me of fucking Baymax. But Baymax, like, the most like reverse Baymax. He's like, I'm gonna bully him. Yo, I'm Baymax. Hi, <laughs> right, I'm Baymax. You ain't shit. <laughs> Evil Baymax, hilarious. Dude, no, I but like he does spit though, cause like yeah, page like after sixteen, he's like, man, you you ain't special. It's like he's like, cause I like that line on eighteen. He's like, I respect Keo because Leader does. Never knew that guy that well myself. Leader called that girl his kid, figured something big. Turns out she ain't. Yeah, They're just bottom rung lunatics with a death wish. Yeah, and and I love it too because it's like okay, so clearly the the point of this scene is to you know reinvigorate 10 in his convictions through the shit talking mm -hmm. of his friends like we we all know this scene we've seen it a million times but the dialogue on it is very organic like it makes sense for this one you know dude to be saying all of the things that he's saying at, from his perspective as a shitty antagonist at least he's like using you know lore and the setup and the history of 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 the storytelling to talk this shit you know what I mean? He's not just arbitrarily saying ooh rah rah sucks what are you gonna do about it? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like Hey, you got it brought you here. I heard about all this shit through the grapevine and the underworld. Kyo was that guy. I respected the shit out of him. Now I'm hearing about you guys. Yeah, you're his daughter. Thought she was going to be tight. Nope, you guys are all just trash. <laughs> and she relied on you guys? That yeah. Means she's definitely not shit. Yeah, it's not like right. the biggest thing. It's not like some like kind of like mind blowing like way to like tell a story or whatever, but I just appreciate like how organic the shit talking is. It is a great even though it delivery. is clearly being used as a plot device to power up 10, at least it doesn't feel arbitrary just for the sake of it i guess is my point yeah 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 Nah, i'm digging it um i do like th the addition of the the little like walkie-talkie tattoo mm-hmm yeah that's uh, so cool i don't know if i've ever seen so cool. tattoo. yeah walkie-talkie tattoo we yo you it's coined that here <laughs> but yeah i don't think i've ever seen anything like that before communication through tattoos it might be somewhere but that, that feels really fresh and unique to me. I mean, That's I've like seen awesome. tattoos, like, come off people's bodies yep, and, like, yep. turn into whips or snakes, yeah. like Medusa from Soul Eater. But yeah. I haven't really seen a tattoo. Like, I've seen people, like, oh, I hide people 
as tattoos on my body and I can mm-hmm. pop them in and out. But I've never heard of like, or like, you know, there's the tattoos where like, oh, I'm in the movie 13. I suddenly see writing on my yeah. arm, you yeah, know, yeah. stuff like that. But, but not like, this. Not. This is new, I think. At least very yeah, new to it, me. It feels, it feels original to me. Yep. Um, yeah. I really dig this idea that like, because like the part that I thought was really cool on page three was like, He's only an animated bolt of cloth. His outer shell wraps around an empty core. He's fast. He's got speed. Has no real durability. He can't lose his face or his heart. The engine. Yeah. And like, Knox, you pointed out that the heart, his engine was right over his heart. It was either you or Eagle. I'm one of, uh, I don't remember. I don't think I remember that. So it couldn't have been me, but. But yeah, that's tight. <laughs> that's super tight. Oh, and I like how, like I was saying earlier about how Urara is essentially like Maruo's oracle now, which is like really cool that they have this this dynamic where Maruo is a novice to this Cortana. world. Yeah, Cortana. You know what I mean? Not, Maruo doesn't really know shit about the world or the kind of encounters he'll have. He has very little information on that. And Urara is obviously his intel, his like information center. And they're going to start, you know, whenever she's not in action, which I'm assuming is going to be very, like, few and far between that she busts that dagger out and has to turn into her full yokai form. I feel like it's going to be a while before that's, like, a regular thing for her to do. So in the meantime, it works that she's, like, you know, the oracle for Maruo, give him information about the yokai that he's fighting, what their strengths and what their weaknesses are. It's just a great combo dynamic in that way. And I love I love the introduction of that concept through the tattoo. It, it reminds me of like megalobox where maruo is is joe mm. and it's like a boxing manga a little bit yeah, or like maruo that. is the classic boxer and yep. then Arara is like the second or the coach he's like hey stay in there champ you know you you did the yes. first round you're taking their hits from what i've seen you're getting your ass kicked but you know what he has a tendency to use the left you know <laughs> yes yes yeah i love it that love kind of vibe it. tendency to use his left <laughs> Turns oh, out yeah. he's not actually left-handed. He's just faking you. Oh <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think that's about all I had for Ayashimon, though. Yeah, I think I'm good too. Great chapter. Can't wait for the next yeah. one as usual. Quick, action-packed, very flavorful, great scenes with a bunch of like a couple really cool new developments. So right, all, all mm-hmm. of the stuff is right on time for Ayashimon, like I said. Well, with that, I think we can go ahead and get right into uh, chapter 120 of Mission Yozakura Family. Mission 120, Refusal. It was wild, son. <laughs> wild ass chapter, man. Just didn't know like what to expect like at all. Like, okay, we had our ideas about how this was kind of going to go. The crew pulls up, the rest of the siblings. We see like this huge... Well, it starts off, obviously, with the exposition on the Kokushi Black Thread. And how it works this very epic introduction to the chapter that just shows damage in all directions in this double spread but we don't really know exactly what happened and then when it switches back to everyone i'm like yes squad get there and help him he's probably going to be dead by the time you pull up but at least you're here you know and then they get there and no <laughs> it's just like he complete smoked completely different situation yeah and i'm just like wow and I was watching Eagle's reaction. I was watching Eagle's reaction, and he gets to like page eight and nine, double spread. He's like, "Squad bust through." There's Kyoichiro, and he's dead. He's definitely dead. Oh, <laughs> dude, I thought, look at him. I'm like, yo, yeah. and he's dead. He's definitely run through by a fucking tree branch or something. Like, yeah, blacked out. Like it's gonna, turn, it's gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I could totally feel it, too, because it's like, yeah, they're here, and you're like, yay, triumphant squad shit, but, like, Kyoichiro is, like, not moving, and he's entirely blacked out, and you can't see his face. This is grim. <laughs> and then you it turn was. in. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's spooky. Yeah. Then that page to 11 and 10, and you're just like, oh, he cut them all the fuck down. Yeah, he folded all of them, and you're like, holy shit. And they're like, I mean, um? He, <laughs> they look scared of, they're like, no fucking way. <laughs> I mean, he had a power move that was three pages long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just the reaction of the family, too. It's like, as far as, like, emotion that this is conveying to me right now, it's like shock, obviously, because it's like, holy shit, you beat them all. But then it's also like, dude, what the fuck is Kyoichiro? <laughs> You know, like, it's yeah. just, like, a look of, like, complete dispar- disbelief of multiple things. <laughs> right, and then, um, Tayo obviously tries to run up. He hits him with the boom. Stay away. And then he's getting, like, ported. Yeah, yeah, this is wild. He's like, we probably won't ever meet again either, I'm sorry. And then he kind of, like, disappears into a very similar, you know, flower, flower petal, petal cloud. Lady. Yeah. Like like Momo, you know what I mean. So I wonder. Yeah, like the, the yeah. dad. The dad. Yep, yep. The oh, dad has to have so... taken him. Maybe no, the dad took I him. Think he, I think he left of his own volition. Maybe and it, he left of his own. Yeah. It's it's really heavy because like there is this moment where he's you know he's do the last end of his um ultimate attack on first one through three, end of three. Um, she smiles at the yeah. fact that like she's getting cut the fuck up. That's right. And part of me wonders if because he is disappearing in a way similar to Momo, did she like tell him something as he w- as she was like getting torn apart? And it's just like, yeah, you exert enough power, but like. You've used too much summoning. You've turned your back on, like you've you've done more than a human should, sure. right? Yeah. And so, like, there's the potential that he is becoming a monster, and uh, like you know, you're in a cave, you're in a small enclosed area with all that free floating like summoning and like Subomi's like plants influence. So maybe he's become. A sort of host and he realizes it and he's like hey don't get close to me don't yeah. touch me i'm not going to be good around. Yeah. i'm not going to be good to be around and i think he realizes that and like is taking himself out of the picture and it's really kind of heavy because he talked so much shit about momo yeah it's like hey man you fucking left you know, where were you for the family? You're not my dad. You're not family. And he is literally becoming his dad. Yeah, straight up. He and which, literally became his dad. He left just the same way as his dad. Which makes me think that, like, okay, so maybe it's a situation where, and this is, like, a lot of guessing and a lot of, like, mm-hmm. filling in a major gap that, like, has yet to have anything filled at it, filled into it at all for me to go on, uh, off of. But as far as, like... Well, what, let's. Let, I want to kind of like focus on what you just said first about how he's like literally turning into Momo. 
this is a really cool situation because if Kyoichiro really has like had all of this resentment and animosity towards Momo for his mysterious like disappearance and his shady dealings since disappearing and whatnot, and this is a situation where he's found himself in a similar situation that maybe Momo had found himself in earlier while dealing with whatever threat or whatever obstacle Subomi was to him at the time or something. Mm -hmm. And then he found himself in a very similar situation. And then after a confrontation very similar to this, made the decision, same decision that Kyoichiro is making right now. Like there's like a missing piece of information that ties all of this together, but there has yep. to be like a very legitimate personal reason why Kyoichiro is behaving exactly like Momo, despite the fact that he hates Momo for what he did and how he acts. Like I feel, I, yeah. I strongly believe that Kyoichiro would not literally be mimicking exactly what he hates about his dad right now. If there wasn't a very legitimate personal reason that makes all the sense in the world for at least Kyoichiro and maybe us too, whenever we get the exposition for it. But I think it might have been a situation like maybe he's fighting them and maybe there's some kind of um, conversation that's had before this final attack that's like, hey, even if you kill us, like, it's not going to be enough. Like, you can go ahead and destroy all of these bodies or whatever, but then you'll become a host in some kind of way or maybe you can trade and then, like, we'll go away and you just take our spot as host and then it's you and Momo working under Subomi or something and we stop fucking with the family in some other kind of way. It's like a trade because they want Mutsumi, right? Yeah. For some specific reason that only makes sense for her. So then maybe they wouldn't trade for Kyoichiro. I'm just trying to like think about how it makes sense that he's willingly leaving right now in a very yeah. similar yeah. way to Momo. I, I feel like maybe they did that thing, you know, where they take like a small stone around the thumb and they just shoot it like a marble. It's like a seed. And they just hit Koichiro while he's like mid attack, gets him like right in the chest. And it's like, doesn't matter if you cut us down. You're gonna be you one know, of us anyway by the by the time you leave. Can here. Grow in any any yeah. kind of field. And uh you're a rich flower bed, man. You've got the chops, you've got skill, yeah. talent. You're gonna make a beautiful flower grow. You know, that kind of thing. And he's like, ah, fuck. I yeah. realize the implications of that, and now I have to go. Yeah, I like it either way, because, like, if it is a situation where, you know, Kyoichiro is making this decision to kind of be the same way as Momo, then that's going to be really cool for his character to think about it. Like, man, I've hated this man for so long. Whole time he probably had a great reason for doing that. Or not great reason, but just, like, a, a reason that's more understandable than what I've been assuming. And he's yeah. not willing to explain it to me, just like I'm not willing to explain it to my siblings right now in this moment. So whatever that fucking reason is has got to slap so hard for the lore of Mission Yozakura family. And that's like, obviously on everybody's mind, like that's the next thing I want to see. That's the answer I want, you know what I mean? So it's doing its job there. But that's just such a crazy development to get here. Like I did not think that... Mission Yozakura family was going to have me thinking this deep. <laughs> and that just goes into what I was saying a couple of weeks ago about how, like, we've been in slice of life family centric storytelling for so long that's so character driven. And I almost like forget how deep and dramatic the overarching plot narrative can be and is. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, so much has kind of happened since we came out of that slice of life stuff and went back into this main plot stuff. <laughs> and it's like, man, it's almost like sensory overload. <laughs> Yeah, it goes. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of whiplash, but yeah. it's it's been a long time coming. It's been cooking and Yeah. 
I love how Futaba comes in. What's going on? Futaba's like, yo, Kyojiro, I don't blame you for getting carried away this time, but like, what did you just do to your own sibling just now? And like, I love that line just like by itself, and I just love Futaba, but I had to sit and think about it for a second, and I was like, wait a minute, what is what sibling did he attack? And I'm like, oh, Tayo. yes, Tayo, but like it, like, it took me a second because like, I just like, <laughs> when she said sibling, I just like automatically think of the blood siblings. You know uh, what yeah. I mean? And then like, yeah, really. retroactively coming back and going, oh, it's Tayo, obviously. That's like, just like makes it a little bit more wholesome that Futaba's like, yo, address, just talking to Tayo as a sibling. I don't know if I remember um, Futaba ever addressing Tayo as a sibling before. Um, no. I'm I sure mean, it's happened. They, they but should I, welcome to the family, that kind of thing. Yeah, besides that, they're like, yeah, but usually, you know, like they'll just like call him, like refer to him as like Tayo or something Tyo. or, yeah, or yeah. whatever. But like seeing no. like, yo, you just hit your fucking sibling, like just hit your brother, like what are you doing? I was like, oh shit, fuck yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I love that because uh, that little like I had to look back and look at like the double spread on fourteen fifteen. I was like, oh, his middle finger is actually a little fucked up. Like, yeah just the tip of his finger cut and i was like that's yeah. enough that's enough i mean yeah <laughs> what was one of the main family rules was we all get along and we never turn on each other that's the point like yep but man i think i think uh in the early stages right like his like blossoms look like the leaves look different than Subomi's leaves, right? Like either they are mm. a, a different variation, or they are in like a like a nascent stage of development, right? Oh, sure, because sure. I guess I never really noticed the difference there. Yeah, the squad he just murked. You know, they have like these pure white sakura, but like Kyuchiro's has still got that kind of like ephemeral vibe to it. Yeah. Like it's still shaded. Yeah, Subomi's petals <clears throat> look like clearly drawn, whereas Kyoichiro's look like low opacity, you know, mm -hmm. renders of like, you know, images of petals that have just had like most of their opacity taken away and like laid over the drawing almost. Kind of what it feels like. Yeah. They're just like straight screen tones, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is a difference for sure that I, I didn't even like think about it like that. I wonder why that's a difference or if there's any real meaning behind that i'm just not getting the vibes that like these guys are out of here really mm -hmm, at all mm -hmm. like <clears throat> they have right regenerative now. properties and to me to me i'm more so getting the vibe that like momo kind of from a distance was observing the situation and saw that it might have been going south for the subomi side sure. and uh and chose to kind of strategically extract the whole situation and is now going to like symbiotically infect Kyoichiro or somehow they're going to bring him over to, to their side and it is going to be like a Momo and Kyoichiro on the same side kind of thing oh man yeah and it could totally just have been like a yeah like we're strong on our own like we'll beat you but if you like somehow beat us then like the dissipation of our ephemeral forms will then be you know inhaled by you or something or they'll go into you in some kind of spore like effect that is now and then kyoichiro probably like realized that after defeating him like holy shit they're taking me over right now i blew it they were they wanted this like or they had an answer for me just completely obliterating them with steel spider 
and it's like yeah yeah so like now that now that i've kind of like put the pedal to the metal you know and and just brashly dispatch them now i have made myself like my father and now i get it now i see how deep this shit is i need to get away from my family (laughs) while i I figure this out that i like that idea it's very insidious and i feel like we're you guys are on the right track of that today because i'm looking at um when he's just like oh hey you know they're because like on the bottom of 12 you can see the dissipation and like all the particles of like the sakura petals yeah but they don't dissipate really that much further than uh kiichiro right yeah they kind of stop at him and then there's like a little other particle effects but i i'm kind of chalking that up to debris falling down they don't seem as uh dense yeah um so when he's like stay away creates that space and when he's looking at futaba and like not really answering them just looking at that giant swirl of sakura like miasma Mm -hmm. coming around them swirling around him and then because they're saying like oh man in a few seconds all of them will fade away and i think what kyuchiro did is that he basically absorbed the rest of it into his body and used it to he's seen momo do it enough times like i know it can happen i can do it anything he can do i can do he got sloppy as a monster i'm just a human but like i can do it yeah and so he just uses that basically brings it all to him and escapes into as as himself as like his last act of himself which i feel like he understands but he doesn't know how to tell them and so he just chucks just boils down it's like we probably won't ever meet again either yeah and he's like when you meet me i'm not there yeah that won't be me yeah, I just like the idea that they were just like ready to lose, and if they ran into you know a sibling that could beat them, then they'll just turn them into the next Momo. <laughs> like I just think that that's like so cool to think about as a part of their plan. It just makes them so much deeper than they already were for me. Is like, oh yeah, like we'll whoop you if we can, but if you can beat us, then we'll just make you another Momo. And then the the idea that Kyoichiro realized that as they were busting through the roof, like oh shit, they had a trump card, they were expecting this, they had a plan for this, I fucked up because I was being too brash. Well, see you later, guys, I don't want this to possibly extend to the rest of you, maybe this is why my dad was being as weird as he was, maybe he's secretly trying to defeat Subomi, but knows that, like, if he doesn't work directly with them, that they'll get to the family quicker. So he's mm-hmm. like, he, he Momo probably found himself in a very similar situation, got you know, surrounded by so many and after defeating Subomi or something, turned into a pawn in this kind of similar way and was like, okay, I don't want, I need to stay away from my family until I figure out what I need to do to beat this bitch. And now Kyoichiro is getting nosy and that's probably has a lot to do with why Momo's being very like, you know, sketchy and backdoor when it comes to, to Kyoichiro because Kyoichiro is going to fuck up his own plan. And now Kyoichiro is literally just following in those same footsteps because mm-hmm. that's just how cold of a unit these Subomi descendants are that <laughs> you ha- you're, either, you're either a part of them or you know you don't know enough about them kind of thing. I it mean, just makes them so scary. <laughs> that's a great defense mechanism. Like, yeah. Not defense mechanism, but like a, like a propagation effect. Yes. Right? So as like as a host for Subomi... 
if you get killed by something and they are a Yozakura, yeah, because it works specifically on Yozakuras, if a Yozakura is able to defeat a host, they run the risk of becoming the very next host as like a, a like a propagation technique, so that the hosts. Yeah. There will always be a host for Subomi. But that makes me wonder then, because didn't they defeat a descendant already? Didn't Futaba whoop one? Or or did she just keep them um, from dying against one? And then that one, like, you know, disappeared and then went back to the group. I can't remember exactly what um, happened with that one, one little arc. The one that looked arc. like... Um... Futaba. Or no. No, the one that looked like, uh, God, the cat-faced one. Um... Oh, Kengo. Kengo, there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking Kengo, and I said I doubted myself. I was like, no, that that's the buff one. No, that's yeah, yeah, not right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or Shin, Shinzo. No, is... Shinzo, you mean? Yeah, Shinzo's yeah, the buff Shinzo's one. the buff one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Kengo, yeah, the one that looked like Kengo, because they had that that haunted house that was eating people. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, did they actually so... beat that descendant? I'm pretty sure that 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 descendant had them dead to rights until Futaba activated, and then she just kept them alive, and then that one like bounced. I don't think they actually defeated one. You know, I think that will warrant a bit of a reread yeah, because yeah, I want to yeah. see if there was differences because, like, if they immediately bolted after defeating the person because, like, the building started to, like, crack and stuff, they're like, oh, this building's breaking. We need to get the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. And, the, like, proximity because the, the, the Kengo descendant ancestor mm -hmm. was, like, high up on the wall so, they, like, they wouldn't be directly on them. Right. So, like... There could have been a chance of like that infection, and then they just managed to dodge it. Something like that. Yeah, well, definitely, de see. definitely. Let us know in the comment. I mean, I'm gonna go back and look at it like after the conversation mm -hmm. at some point, probably. But just for the sake of you know conversation, let us know in the comments section if that situation was like an actual defeat or if it was like a stalemate, and then the descendant left. Can't remember right now. Don't remember what chapter it is, but yeah. Because the ancestor didn't like Tsubomi. Period. They were like. I hate this. I have to do this. I'm sorry. Yeah, so then that could be evidence to support kind of what we've been talking about as like reasons why Momo isn't saying anything about what's going on and being so mysterious. And now Kyoichiro mm -hmm. is now doing the same thing. There has to be some kind of like... Oh, I feel like it's right there. I oh, feel like, like the missing like piece is like right there, like, man. Yeah. What if Subomi's not allowing them to say more? Maybe. In some kind of way, either like in the host faction, there is a there, within the host faction. There's two groups. There's the group that is resentful of Subomi, and there's the group that's like, yeah, we bought into it. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you can verbalize your frustration with Subomi as a descendant, then like, why can't you just say the rest? Yeah, like if um, you can, if you can voice like, if you can say, I don't like Subomi, I don't like working for her, then why wouldn't you just be like, Yo. I feel like it's it's a difference between expressing an opinion and like. Yeah. Giving um, away the keys, yeah. Tweeting yeah. tactical information. <laughs> yeah, no way. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a difference between tweeting, it's like, ah, uh, you know, Panchero's on such and such street sucks, but yeah. like, tweeting, oh yeah, people are here at this location. Yeah, it's, it's a little, a little different. bit different. Little yeah, different. no, you're totally yeah. right. You're totally right. But I was wondering if it was like a physical, you know, like I, I literally can't say anything because she has that much influence over me. Or if it's like, a, I can't say anything because she's going to whoop me when I get back to the crib. Like, I want to know like what that is, like what the, what's stopping, you know, anything. If she really is, doesn't like her position and doesn't like working for Subomi, I wonder why.
she is you know what i mean like what's making her what's forcing her to but anyway um uh i don't know i mean the the whole blossoms and stuff seem really integral it's built into their whole physiology and like the way the parasite stuff start kind of seemed it like infused their entire body which could include their nervous system so like it like the plant might be like reading pulses through their nervous system and being like nope we we don't want that this Mm. this this crosses a certain certain threshold of activity of things that we don't like we've been doing this for aeons generations however long is like yeah with such a like rocks were dirt you know that makes sense you know since it's such like a spiritual and biological you know kind of like phenomenon happening with the somanine and like the subomi like Mm -hmm. consciousness stuff so it could be something like what you're talking about right now just because of how interconnected subomi is with whoever she's influencing you know what i mean so it can totally i could totally see that yeah it's just kind of crazy because like i thought koichiro was dead smart by like negating the somanine regeneration by having like a somanine solution soaking his wires right and i was like hell Ooh. yeah you've got the fix you've got the angle yeah good 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 executed yeah. you've perfectly. got the hockey for the logia <laughs> right and it's just like and that wasn't enough okay right. wh- what's the trick what's the counter trick like what did he not account for and i really want to know yeah that's the but next other than that one. i don't have too much this is a very 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 straightforward chapter that oh, yeah. just leaves a lot of open-ended areas yeah yeah it's very very easy to follow very to the point up until the end with that very mysterious thought-provoking cliffhanger but i think we got a nice chunky combo out of it despite that mm-hmm yeah can oh, yeah. we just appreciate some of these like spreads like yeah the spread on 1819 just looking at the just sheer amount of like devastation aftermath of black spider yeah shit the fucking opening one with like yeah. the explosion of of steel spider the yes. black thread like that shit the, the some things have a blur to it some things don't it really you know, creates that, like, you know, chaotic 360 degrees of damage kind of aesthetic that the drawing is Mm -hmm. clearly kind of, you know, trying to convey. It just, like, does everything perfectly. Perfect AoE, like, in action. Like, I love the whole going back and forth between 2-3 and the 18-19, just seeing, like, during action and then, like, post-action scene of that stuff. But then I feel like I feel like Kuichiro has been infected because those yeah. attacks wash through the host squad. Yeah. And they're smiling. Yeah, straight up. Yeah. That's one hundred percent. And I'm yeah. just like <laughs> too easy. Yeah. Don't like it. Way too easy. Yeah, we didn't see a single attack from them. They just like took this attack and then just like grinned their way into dissipation. And it's like, nah, you definitely you definitely yeah, jumped into else. my yeah, you jumped into my boy. <laughs> but yeah, I'm good on Yozakura family this week. I think I am too. Well, with that, I think we can go ahead and jump right into chapter 177 of Jujutsu Kaisen. Tok- er, sorry, Sendai Colony, part four. We in Sendai. Utah. Yeah. Big Utah versus Ishigori and Uro. This shit is wild, son. 
There was a firefight. <laughs> oh yeah. man, I I love Ishigori's like style. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's yeah. he's got like I know we talked about it in a Yashiman where Kotan has machismo, but Ishigori yeah. has fucking machismo. It's like every delinquent like, character that you've ever yeah. loved all wrapped up in like one character with a fucking spirit gun coming out of his pompadour. That's just yeah. wild. It's just like he's, he's... a living reference of like that entire archetype. Yeah, he's like the combination of like Kua, like Togashi's Kuabara, but with like the mental maturity and like style of Krolo. Yeah, yeah. And I was just yeah. like, man, this is the most Togashi ass character I've ever seen. Yeah, Krolo, <laughs> Knuckle, Kuabara, Yusuke. Yes. Metal Bat. He's... It's like all of those characters in one. All of those were Togashi except for one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like, I, I, fe I feel that... I feel like Ishidori's a bit of a love letter to that kind of character. Yeah, straight up. Straight up. But I, I love his philosophy. Like, yeah. Just like, I did everything right by the books. You know, for my societal norms. I followed them. I was a good man by all metrics that existed at the time and i still wasn't happy i was dead and had regrets yes gege is just wow. such a good character designer and writer like in general whenever new characters are introduced in jujutsu kaisen i always get so excited because not only are the designs always great so we get to look at them and 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 love what they're doing in our faces at the moment when they're introduced and then whenever Gege decides to focus on them writing-wise, we always just get, like, this really deep, philosophical, you know, different kind of character than we've seen before. And all in, like, a very short amount of time. Like, he can pack so much charm and charisma and character, you know, in a very quick amount of time. Like, we just fall in love with these characters right away. Like, Uro and Ishigori are just, like, amazing, off top. It's like, like Higuruma no time all at all. over again. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Higuruma, instant classic. Like, Gege just knows how to drop back-to-back -back classic characters all the time. Even the characters that aren't as significant as, you know, others. Just, like, have so yeah. much impact, you know, whenever they're focused on. It's just, like... Even characters that are super minor, like the Helicopter Squad, they were cool... They got packed, but like they were still cool in the moments that the they moment, were there. And then the, the moment, characters yeah. that don't get packed immediately, I'm just like, okay, you're yeah. pretty fucking cool. Like, yeah. I didn't like Reggie as yeah. a person. He yeah. was a really cool fighter. He was a great tactician. I respected the shit out of his ability. Yeah. I didn't like him at all, but like, I respected the fact out of his ability. Like, he, he was yeah. competent. There's like rarely ever competent. there's rarely ever characters in Jujutsu Kaisen whose entire point is to just be a moment of flex for like another character. Like what little dialogue like even fodders have. Like some I'm not I'm not gonna lie. Like sometimes you'll see a character that really didn't do anything and just got like dunked on real quick just for the sake of showing growth in another character. I think we could probably find an example of that in Jujutsu Kaisen, but by and large, I want to say for the most part, even if it's a very quick exchange with someone who had no chance against Yuji or Megumi or something, 
Like, we always get something. Either we always learn more about Megumi or whatever character is being focused on that's trouncing, you know, the fodder character, or they give us some kind of information that gives us a better idea of, like, how the world of Jujutsu Kaisen works or something. There's always some plan for the character besides just go out there and get evaporated. And I love that about JJK. Yeah. <clears throat> and this feels like a, a classic-ass Jujutsu Kaisen fight to me, where yeah. it's like... It kind of gives us just a little bit of everything that we want out of the fights. Like, it gives us the sick-ass choreography, gives us the flashy attacks, the, you know, the... Dynamic paneling. application of, yeah. you know, uh, abilities and powers within the fight, you know. Yes. Dynamic paneling, like you said. Yes. And then especially to me, what stands out is, like, on page four... When they're literally having this just ta -ta 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 -ta, like exchange of choreography and like these two bottom panels where they're literally both just getting like a devoted monologue where they're like analyzing each other. Oh, yes. it's just so fucking sick. His output's high and he releases cursed energy with near instantaneous explosiveness. His movements are fast and precise. If I don't guard well, even I'd take damage. Whoosh. He supports with his toughness with his cursed energy. It's like I'm knocking against a massive water tank. Both acknowledging each other's fighting styles and strengths as they're yeah. throwing hands. They love this shit, even though it's tense for both of them. And the way that it's conveyed through more than just smiles and laughter is yeah. just like... It's, it's that deepness that you can expect from Jujutsu Kaisen at this point. Yeah, Even the like inner monologue like breakdown of each other's abilities kind of shows their like thinking style right like yeah. the way they think like dialogue is indicative of thought and i like that it's very distinctive ishigori is prone to metaphor like the entire time he's like ah oh, you know my life never had a dessert if you tell a kid not to eat a feast would they actually listen it's like hitting a water tank, and he's just, he only thinks in metaphors. Oh, he's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, whatever, life's a metaphor. You know, he's waxing poetic all the time, and yeah. Yuta's like, analytically, just like, all right, cool, high release, high impact, sharp, precise. Okay, cool, 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 I need to keep this up, I need to keep yeah, this up. Yeah, that's go, a go, really go. cool thing to point out, is like, they're, they're both kind of doing the same thing in their analysis of the other fighter, but one of them you know, frames and positions their analysis in a very practical to the point way. And another one speaks, you know, a little bit more poetic, which is indicative of his personality as an old time sorcerer, you know, and so, a romantic and general. a romantic. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a role. He, this guy is definitely a romantic. He's like, I met a woman, a good woman. We did stuff, you know, and I lived my life the best I could, but it just wasn't enough to satisfy me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, God, you are the most machismo romantic dude ever. This is hilarious. Yes. Yes. Um, it's just like, that's crazy. Um, and I really like the culmination of like, because then they have the breakdown of like them analyzing each other. Mm -hmm. And then they have this moment where they're about to do the same move on each other. And they have that kind of like... um when you fight someone, you understand them a little better. Yeah. And they have, like a, like, a conversation without words. Where they have, like, why am I unsatisfied? And Yuta is, like, understanding him as he's fighting him. And he's yes. like, I think you know. That kind of moment. And then they hit the, 
they hit the little little back hip, like the little Chinese bagua kind of like the Shen. Uh, it's the Shen the shoulder check. check, bro. Yeah, yeah the, it's, the it's Shen the, shit. The kung fu, the kung fu body check. Yes, they're using um, cursed energy, <laughs> yes. and he's just like. <laughs> I just heard the sound of like a dodgeball like hitting someone's face <laughs> like, just as Yuta goes flying. Yeah, that's hilarious with that sound effect there. Wow. Uh, I had that moment. I was like, Kong. Yeah. <laughs> I love the follow through. The follow through in the. That's another thing that I love about like Gege's choreography is that whenever like someone is like hit afar, there's always a panel that shows the follow up of the person like not trying to miss a beat. And trying to take advantage of every moment, just like chasing him through, you know, his trajectory after the shoulder check, so that he can follow Uta, up with a another Uta's joint. Just like yeah. bouncing, and we get Ishigori like, yeah. Like, I love that shit in choreography, bro. I don't know why that's like one of my favorite, you know, um, panels to get in in fight choreographies. I, I just knocked I you out of the park, but I'm still it. on your heels. You know what I mean? Yeah, never let up, right? Like, the fight's yeah. not over till it's over. Why would I let you get up? I'm, why would yeah. I let you have a Sailor Moon transformation scene? Right. Get the fuck out of here. And then Go he down. Shoot, he, shoots down. The, he shoots the Pompadour granite blast at him, and he blocks it with his bare hands. And he even, like, makes a comment, like, damn, he's even doing shit like that? God damn, this dude's a fucking tank. And he goes back to hit him. It's like, the, it's like a perfect, like, exchange of advantage and disadvantage throughout mm -hmm. this fight that also work as like little mini subversions of our expectations because what's so cool about this situation is that Yuta is wildly overpowered and he's been built up as wildly overpowered pretty much the entire time he's been in Jujutsu Kaisen and even a little bit before his reintroduction in Jujutsu Kaisen. We knew he was broken from volume zero as well. So this is all just going into how invincible, you know, Yuta kind of seems, especially with the comparisons to Gojo and shit like that. So we're like, mm -hmm. this dude's just going to run through the culling games. And then to have these two characters introduced that not only seem to be able to hang with him physically, but are also then excited about all of the things about him that make him wildly overpowered and broken. It just creates all of these kind of like little mini stakes inside of his bouts. You know what I mean? It's like, is he actually going to win? We can be pretty, you know, safely assume that, but it's like, they're, you know, you have this character who not only has, like, one of the craziest reserves of Cursed Energy we've ever seen, but one of the highest outputs of Cursed Energy we've ever seen, plus reverse curse technique. And they're, like, happy to be fighting him. Not just because they're, like, arrogant warriors looking for a good fight, because they, but also because they seem to have plans and answers for what he has in his kit. Which just, like, brings the tension levels up so high and the uncertainty up so high about how this is going to finish. Because, yeah, we want to assume Yuta's going to win because he's broken, but his enemies don't seem like they care about how broken he is. Slumped. Yeah, they're and they're, they're, they're wildly uh, strong in their own right, but also, like, they know, like, that this dude has a lot going on. And they're like ready for it, so it's like, how is they, this going they to live go? For that kind of stuff, it's yeah. interesting because it shows this sort of mentality. Because like, um, uh, I feel like it's a, it's a, a case of real recognizes real kind of moment for them, and like the idea that if you're good at something and you meet someone that is also good at the, a similar enough thing, yeah, you bond over that. You're like, oh hey, you know, respect, you know, yeah. like. Game recognizes games, effectively. And I yeah. feel like, for them, 
being a jujutsu sorcerer, being deadly at combat, being able to effectively wield their techniques and then also break down the techniques of others yeah. is exciting to them because even Uro steps in and says, you're tough and that's good because I've decided to toy with you. Yeah. I think this is also like really clearly showing us the difference between modern day sorcery and Heian period sorcery right? Mm -hmm. Because like Yuta is a god and an unstoppable overwhelming force of nature, just in general sure, but like mainly from the perspective of modern day sorcerers. The fact that like these back in the day sorcerers see everything that's going on with Yuta and aren't worried in the slightest and in fact are really excited about it like I was saying, not just because they're arrogant, you know, mm -hmm. strong warriors that are looking for a good fight, but because this doesn't seem too crazy to them based on their experience you know what i mean like they based have answers cultural expectations yeah they have yeah. answers for everything that he's doing like they're just a completely different kind of sorcerer that they came from an era that recognized sakuna yeah exactly like, like these were sakuna yeah they, they're, they're from just a, like they're, yeah, yeah whatever man you're not sakuna like, they're from a different know. time where sorcerers were just tighter generally like across mm -hmm. the board like the the the, the bottom line was a lot higher they didn't have to hide themselves either yeah. they were just there yeah yeah which is just really cool to see that in like an unspoken kind of way like you just kind of pick up on mm -hmm. that after seeing megumi versus reggie now that we're seeing uro and ishigori versus yuta all these confirmed olden day sorcerers that are just able to have such a presence immediately after their introduction because Gege is just that good at building his world and conveying yeah. the things that he wants to convey and evoking the responses and emotions that he wants to evoke from his audience. Like, you don't need to say it. We can just read between yeah. the lines and see these that these, on... these Heian sorcerers were different. You know what I mean? Yeah. These Heian yeah. sorcerers, they feel like... Um, they like A bit like Moreau, they're getting validation off of having a... a at least these two specifically, right? Like, Druv was whatever. Yeah. But, like, and I can't really speak of it, but Kurushi, very different. Yeah. But, like, these two in particular seem to validate themselves based on the quality of their opponents. Yeah. Um, Druv was, Druv was like, foddered, Druv was, like, fodderized by Yuta or whatever, but Kurushi was still scared of Druv. So it's, like, a very matchup-based thing at the yeah. same time, I want to say, because Druv was probably no slouch at all, but he just had the unfortunate... You know, misfortune of running into Yuta, who probably hard countered him in like every way from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I so, mean, he's a shikiga he was a Shikigami user, so yeah. he was like, "Oh yeah, I need to yeah. be safe." And yeah. then Yuta, Yuta just, just caught him lacking, yeah. fucked his ass. Yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's probably like a matchup thing. You know what I mean? You you have mm -hmm. you have the proper conditions. Like Yuta probably had element of surprise to some degree too. Like, who knows? Like Yuta's not mm -hmm. really like one about like honor, like square up on your own too and see me like man to man, mano a mano, and let's have this be a fair fight. If Yuta catches you lacking, he'll cut your head off before you even know where he is. Like I'm totally confident that that's the kind of person that he is, especially inside of a situation like the Culling Game. So who knows exactly how that situation went down? But at the end of the day, Kurorushi, who gave Yuta a pretty hard time, was worried about Druv, who Yuta one shot effortlessly. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's levels to this shit. You know. Oh, man. I, I love this um, little interaction where he punches Ishigori right in the pompadour 
he does the sh like blasts him with the pompadour as he's doing it you can see him fly you can see his hand just absolutely fucked on like page yep. 12 and yeah, then 12 is he's missing fingers and shit he's missing fingers he's got like uh like he looks like deku after doing like uh <laughs> tapping into all for one early on <laughs> yeah one Comes for back, all you see him yeah one for all yeah. um <laughs> and you can see him standing up on page 17 his hand is starting to get better he's already got fingers and then by page 19 both hands are fine yep that's the RCT, baby. That's the RCT. I love... <laughs> but I, you can't kill me. <laughs> I love that Uro like kind of like steps in, you know, with her broken like sky manipulation shit. And Ishigori's mm. like, Get the fuck out of here, bitch. This is my fight. And she's like, fuck you. And they kind of like tussle a little bit. So like that adds to, you know, how fun this situation is that even mm -hmm. though it's 2v1 against Yuta, the opposing party isn't entirely getting along all that well either so it's like that's a potential you know something that yuta can exploit to like pull out the w but also it just like adds depth to this duo you know what i mean that they're not just like in tandem working together to like beat yuta it's like no there's like some pride involved like they want to be the one mm -hmm. to do it for their own reasons and get the hell out of my way while i do it type shit you know, I, and, I I like situations where, you know, the the antagonists are always together and, like, have, like, a family bond and will do anything for each other. I like those situations, too, but I also really like it when there's infighting in the antagonists. There's individualistic, too. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, with the Sendai Colony stuff, this is slightly in the past, chronologically, right? I think so, like, yeah. I don't this have is pretty the timeline early. memorized, but this is, yeah. This is not happening, so, like, the events of this arc are not happening, like, in linear time. Yeah. Yeah, it's bouncing so, around. do you guys think that he's going to, like, basically beat the brakes off these people? Mm. And then, right before he, like, potentially does, like, the killing blow, because he wants their points, mm -hmm. the little floaty dudes uh, pop up, and they're like, a new rule has been added. You can give people your points <laughs> instead of mur murdering them. And he's just like... Because, oh. like, their personalities are, like, to me, indicative of, like, they care about the fight. Uro seems, like, proud and arrogant and, like, seems to only specifically fight sorcerers. Even Yuta was, like, asking questions, like, so, like, who have you been killing, basically? Like, yeah. have you been killing civilians? Are you a threat to the greater world? And if he has a chance, he's like, you know what? You're a good fight. You want more fights? Fight with me. I'm going to fight against Kenjaku. Like, mm. I'm going for Kenjaku. That's one of the heaviest fights of all. If you thought I was fun, yeah. stick with me. But give me some of your goddamn points. It would really depend on if, um, like, on <laughs> just, like, how much more, you know, writing we get for Uro and Ishigori before the end of the fight. Because, like, just based mm -hmm. on how it's going right now, I can't see you to trusting them enough to be like, yo, I could just kill you right now, but how about you work for me instead? I feel like that is a little bit too trusting of you to 
in this situation but then could if be a binding vow yeah or it could be a you could do a binding vow thing or it could just you know a, a couple chapters from now or next chapter or the chapter after there's just that much more writing there for uro and ishigori that makes you know yuta and them like each other a little bit more and make that make yeah. a little bit more sense but i mean me personally i think he's about to open up a, do a domain expansion next chapter and just get these motherfuckers out of here i think that that's like, <laughs> like it's so, like, like his own yeah, you, like, don't, you don't want to think, yeah, and we don't know that he has one. It's not, like, confirmed that he has one. It's 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 really rare still for modern-day sorcerers to have them in general, and we don't have very many examples of, like, human sorcerers using domain expansion still. I mm -hmm. think the only examples we have still are, like, you know, Gojo and Megumi, as far yeah. as, like, human sorcerers that have used domain expansion in front of us. I'm pretty sure it's just those two still. So, like, just based yeah. off of that... I think that it would be right on time for Jujutsu Kaisen to give us the third known human with domain expansion in our face right now inside of Yuta. But at the same time, you almost don't want Yuta to have all of this going on and a domain expansion. Like, that almost feels like too much. But I honestly don't know, like, what else what this last page could mean. <laughs> Personally. because domain expansion i mean it'd be something like that too but people were acting like rika's like the hoover dam of cursed energy for him like he has so much that he has to store some within her oh sure within there, we go. Uh, yeah, there we go there we go so like she she is blocking the rest of his reserve and he's been working on a very finite pool right now yeah. and he's about to like let the floodgate let the floodgate open that could be like, cool to everything yeah that could be that could be crazy too and he also <clears throat> said a very similar thing to Rika when he beat Suguru Ghetto in volume zero. Like he literally like said, like, like you can have all of me, just give me what I need to beat this motherfucker. Like give me everything or whatever. He is a very similar situation. I'm pretty sure it's a callback to that now that I think about it. But mm -hmm. but yeah, originally I was like, domain expansion has to be what we're doing here. Like this is like I've never seen a more obvious setup for a page one domain expansion next chapter, is what I thought. But now that you've kind of introduced that, Eagle. I think that that feels really good too, and I I, I might yeah. want that. I mean, I want to see a Utah domain expansion, but I I there's something in the back of my mind that's like, don't give him one. He's already too cold. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be mad if he come out like Yuki Ten K. Yeah, straight up. It's like cool. Oh, go ahead man. and give that to me. Otherwise, I think that it would be better. Maybe is what I'll say if it is what you were saying, Eagle, and he just gets the rest of his curse energy to use and it just evaporates him that way. <laughs> I was of the mindset of what Eagle was going for, that he was, like, stockpiling energy, yeah. using Rika as a stockpiling source. Mm. And he's just like, hey, man, uh, they made me deplete a lot of my energy, and uh, I need more energy. Yeah. Well, especially because of... Um... What the hell is the Pompadour dude's name? Ishigori's dialogue, or his monologue, rather. He's thinking, he's like, his reverse curse technique is a problem, but it consumes a lot of cursed energy. He used it every time. He used it every time Kudo Rushi, Udo, and I used our big moves, and I think you're finally bottoming out. Yeah. Okotsu. Yeah. And then that leads right into the last page where he's like, give me everything. Oh, you want to know what? I think, you, I think you hit it right now, because normally whenever Yuta's curse energy reserve is talked about it's talked about as endless period like there is yeah. literally like no end to it ishigori has not had that dialogue he's fighting you to directly right now and he's like yo this motherfucker has a bunch of curse energy but he doesn't use the word endless or limitless or i can't see the bottom of it 
Like, usually you get that kind of dialogue. But he said things like, yeah, it's like I'm hitting against a water tank. And we've already gotten the water tank analogy in dialogue of Jujutsu Kaisen when talking about Yuta. So that lines up. The only thing that's missing is the bottomless aspect. And that's because he's not bottomless right now. Because Rika is, you know, being a, a dam or, or whatever, you know, Eagle said. I think that that's really cool. And that could be evidence for that. If that's the case. But. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I think overall, I like that's the kind of thing. What'd you uh, say? Go ahead. He was, I was he, just going to say, I think overall, that's about all I had for Jujutsu Kaisen. The only other thing I thought was like super cool was when fucking Ishigori shot the beam at um, Udo. Yeah. And she grabs the air and like spins it around. Yeah. That, that was so shit cool. Was yeah. nasty. We had to talk about that panel. And then the page afterwards where it shows the explosion and she's like, ha. And then you can see through her because of the sky. Um, you know, she's wearing the sky. You can see the panel. Yeah, but you can see the panel behind her because she's that see-through. Just another, you know, visual, like really cool, creative visual cue of like the effect that her sky wardrobe has that you can literally see the paneling behind her that's really fucking cool i thought it was one of the tightest things you can also yeah. see like the clouds through her on page 17 yes. and it's just like there's so much cool shit that comes with that like you can see the trees through her on the background so i i love how they um she was probably digitally inserted into like scenes like he drew her in the pose that he wanted he's like this is roughly where i want her yep. drew her digitally inserted an overlay absolutely to make it nice and smooth and i i, yeah. I i'm all about that kind of stuff yeah it's definitely um, like a layer thing like when you're when you're on the wacom like tablet you definitely have like stationary like images on their own layer and then you're constantly just moving things <clears throat> on top until you have like the composition that you want but still drawing everything individually all the same but it's just easier to to map the composition of your page digitally because you can do everything on layers like that Man. So, the only other idea that i have for like what he could be like readying up on this last page is like a maximum technique we also have the maximum we don't have too many examples of it we, we really only have maximum meteor from jogo and then maximum uzumaki from kenjaku at the end of shibuya mm -hmm. but we did get like raw exposition for the concept of maximum techniques oh yeah and my's bullet is a maximum technique too i'm pretty sure oh yeah i'm pretty sure that's a maximum technique too but that is an area of the power system that yuta could potentially be tapping into right now with rika so yeah. those are i think those are all the, i think those are all the strongest possibilities domain expansion yuta is my dam and i'm now going to open that and have the rest of my cursed energy reserve or maximum technique which is really a combination of both of those options at yeah. the end of the day but I, yeah i wonder because i feel like i i i think it's like because i feel like she's definitely going to bring in a ton of energy mm -hmm. but no matter what the ring seems like a new addition to his abilities and it Oh, as far it's as how the ring works with his cursed energy? Because he's had the yeah. ring. This, yeah, he's definitely had the he, ring know, in Volume Zero. Yeah. Yeah. I know that he's just like, oh, yeah, no, you know, marry me when you grow up, that kind of thing. Yeah. So is she going to show up, like, fully manifest herself? Like, her his maximum ability is that he fully manifests Rika? Because, like, in the tr fan translation, it says, give me all of you. 
Okay. As opposed to give me everything. Sure, sure. Um, and so I think it'd be interesting if she fully manifested in a fucking like in a way that we've never seen white before. dress. Yeah. The full fucking bridal dress, like oh, Ghost Bride, just fuck. on, just like it's like here not comes. demonic monster. It's like final form, like Frieza, basically. <laughs> Where you're yeah, just like it's aesthetically, like final form Lika, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where she's like part ghost, part like it's just like like that bone, like dun dun dun. Except for it's here comes the bride. Yeah, ring, yeah, yeah. Ring, ring, ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, that's the vibe I'm going for. Because like yeah. when you were talking about domains, the thing that immediately popped into my head was that he literally just builds a church, and they have to yeah. fight in a church. Like Yo. he creates this. His domain would be a space, and then he would be you know dressed up in a suit and that would reinforce his thing with using cursed energy and Rika would be there dressed in like a veil and everything and they would just tag team the two of them that'd be but, pretty crazy to think about actually yeah. as far as like what his like domain expansion would look like because domain expansions at the end of the day are just like you know hyper concentrated extensions of your curse technique right mm -hmm. and like what is his curse technique again like the ability to copy other curse techniques Ooh, so like yeah, yeah so like well, I guess now that I think about it, it's like, yeah, I, I, I guess I just don't know like what that would look like as a domain expansion. That's his curse technique, right? His copying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and well, it says yeah. he's just really like skilled at. Well, I mean, in volume zero, he was copying, you know, Inumaki Toge's like mm -hmm. curse speech and like he was he doing all cursed, that. He copied um, Gojo's like purple for a second. Oh, I don't remember that, but I man, think I he did. He, he, he mimicked it. He he did the hand like same hand sign that Gojo did oh, for like shit. his repulsion ability. Oh, tight, tight. Um, at one point, so like I definitely see him copying other people's abilities, and so maybe he's like Rika, give me everything. Gets a ton of cursed technique and cursed energy, and then just starts firing off just technique yeah. haymakers. He's like, okay, Inumakis, Gojos. Uh, fucking Mai's ability, or just or just Ishigori and and Uros right now just starts using their techniques against them in some mm -hmm. kind of way. Maybe give me everything is like give me the rest of my kit back because he hasn't copied a technique since his reintroduction into Jujutsu Kaisen. So maybe give me everything is like my full range of Jujutsu capabilities, including my copying technique on, yeah. on and on top of huge amounts of energy that you're about to unleash for me. No matter what, at the end of the day, regardless of what form this you know what whatever form his next attack takes at the end of the day he's going to get a massive influx of cursed energy from rika yeah and that's either going to form in the shape of a domain expansion <clears throat> a maximum technique or oh i can copy your abilities again or some combination of all three who knows he could really go so stupid next oh. chapter in a combination of ways if it's a game of matchups like you were saying earlier what if he just does kuroshi's like cockroach swarm oh jesus he's just like i have enough cursed energy that i can just manifest a swarm get fucked yeah. <laughs> i want to believe that there are caveats on his copying ability yeah. that would say the user has to still be alive or something like <laughs> I, I i doubt he can literally just like i've seen your technique i fought against it i'm gonna keep it in the back pocket for whenever he i might have to have it future. explained to him yeah might have to have or it explained like, to him um yeah like the crollo route but i think mm -hmm. that just having a deep enough understanding of the ability would be enough and for like an analytical of mind if like his yeah you know maybe yeah. he knows enough that he's like i could i could copy a granite blast fuck it like yeah. Hell yeah. maybe not the the sky thing but like whatever the fuck that is but... i mean if, he, if that's her technique he can copy it 
You know what I mean? Like he, like mm-hmm. if he, if he wants to, like he'll bend the sky too. He'll wear, you know, sky clothes. Like he'll do like the whole shit. So, like he used fucking curse speech at like maximum output first time he ever did. He had like a whole like megaphone thing amplifying it too. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that came from. And I have to reread Volume Zero. I think just so people can hear him. Yeah, or just like to amplify it because I mean, like normally, just if you hear the curse speech, I'm assuming the effect of the technique works on you. But mm-hmm. like him using a megaphone for it i'm thinking not just makes it louder so that you can hear it because he was pretty close to the people he was using it on at the time i think it was literally like an amplifier for the for the output not just the volume but anyway i'm excited to see what happens next i think we covered all of the best logical routes for what youtube will possibly do next chapter i think i'm spent on jujitsu this week mm-hmm. brilliant chapter well, with that, I think we can get into uh, chapter 232 of Dr. Stone. The final chapter, Dr. Stone. What a ride. Man. Of an era. What a journey. What a fucking ride. It's been like, what, five years? Yeah. Yeah. And this is like the anniversary Shit. chapter, too, I'm pretty sure. Is it really? Yeah, which is pretty wild. Okay. Man, that's yeah. something. This, this chapter. Uh, so let's just start off by appreciating just... All this color. Bounty. Seven pages. Seven pages of color. Just straight up off the bat. Yeah, and it's just so amazing. Coming back and down to coming Earth. Coming back. Yep. Yeah, and then this beautiful double spread with Senku on the top with these fucking amazing sun rays coming through on this beautiful glow effect behind him. And they all drop down, re-entering the atmosphere. Everyone's celebrating. They get the medals, the fucking Return of the Jedi ending scene. <laughs> oh yeah, and this is like five years later or whatever, right? Is, that, is what they go to mm-hmm. afterwards. Yeah, that's crazy that there's a time skip too. Like seeing all of this stuff it's like man it's like i thought we were gonna get an arc for all this (laughs) like i was so positive that we were going to defeat y-man come back down and then have a whole arc of them just like going and rebuilding the world and then it's just like nope this shit is done here's the time skip here's the epilogue motherfuckers are getting married it's just like so crazy to see it all man it's and it's like i think back to like when dr stone came out and it's like i read that first chapter when it first debuted and i was like Eagle would and and Kiko would fucking love this, and I like go to like Eagle and I'm like, yo, read this shit, bro. It just dropped. This up next, and then he's like, yo, that was amazing. It really is up next, and then Kiko got on it too. He's like, yeah, this shit is super mm-hmm. fucking tight. And then I just like never went back to it until yeah. we decided to fucking like cover it. And then I like watched the anime and then like took the manga from the anime and like got caught up. Like by the time mm-hmm. that we were going to start covering and shit, and I'm just thinking the whole time, like, why? Did I not continue reading this with everyone else? And then it, I don't know what I thought about it. I assumed a lot of things. And then it just became like one of the best things that I was reading throughout its runtime. Best yeah. series that's currently been in Shonen Jump. Yeah, I just wasn't for ready for how um, brilliant it was going to end up being. There. Okay, so I just want to touch on uh, page two, three. Like... It reminds me of this quote from Treasure Planet um, from the cyborg 
And it's like, you got the makings of greatness in you, but you gotta take the helm and chart your own course, stick to it, no matter the squalls, and when the time comes, you'll get the chance to test, really test the cut of your sails, show your way out of, and well, I hope I'm there, catching some of the light coming off you that day. Hey. <laughs> it's like that last line, I was just like, yes, yes, yeah. yes thank you. So that's, that's from Treasure Island that you just quoted. Uh, Treasure Planet. Or Treasure Planet, yeah. It's been so long <laughs> since I've seen that movie. I remember that one, though. It's like the Ancient. redhead redhead dude with like the middle part and the glasses and the tank top mm. and the suspenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now yeah. you're thinking of Atlantis. Oh, I think I am, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're thinking of Atlantis. But Treasure Planet is about like a sci-fi spacefaring pirate thing. Yeah, I swear I've seen that too, and I just like can't. It's literally, it's literally Treasure Island in space. It's, it's, yeah. it's that Shoot is up. the story. Yeah, but it's it like, really it's is, like a but I love that movie so much. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, and yeah, that quote I, definitely fits for the, for the uh, two three spread. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Ryusuke is like a fucking space pirate anyway. <laughs> like, Ryusuke, he was always dressed yeah. up like. Ryusuke, yeah, he's. I'm so bad at names all the time. It's all good. It's all um, good. Yeah, they're, they're but, tough. Uh, it's tough sometimes. You're yeah. you're picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah, for sure. Um, like he was dressed like Harlock, space pirate all the way. Um, thing I liked is that they got like this prize, like they got like a like effectively like a Nobel Peace Prize or whatever the hell it is. It's like it's EMC squared. It's got like the Earth. It's got like the little Science Kingdom logo yes. on that stuff. Yes. I like that Kohaku straight up fell asleep during the ceremony because it's boring to her. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that is that is that is adorable. Wait, who is that next to uh, Stanley? Ryusuke, right? In between Stanley and Senku, that's Ryusuke. Ryusuke. He looks so short. He's a little kid. He's a youngin. Yeah, and I and maybe it's just like a perspective thing because like Senku's like way farther away from the yeah. other three, and Stanley's just tall as fuck. So yeah, dude, Stanley is a giant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't look short. That's just perspective. Okay, okay. And then we have on five the high five with uh, Sukasa is amazing, and then the Kohaku. But then you have Luna and Kirisame, and then who's that in the middle? I don't know. I don't know either. Hard to say. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know why uh, I'm like blanking on that. No, it's not Ruri because she's blonde too. Mm. Yeah, it's brown-haired, green-eyed girl. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on that. Please hit, please hit green us in the comments. If, hit us in the comments if you remember who that is or if you know who that is. But okay, sure, Helen Suika, she's green. Yeah, yeah. Plus, we get Suika yeah. like on the next page right there. Yeah, anyway, very so. next. Yeah. But yeah, and then also oh. like on this spread on the last half of the title page spread, Senku's shirt, his E equals MC squared thing, it was like tripping me out because it looks like a C instead of an E. And I think I'm just missing the horizontal line in the middle because it's covered by the scarf maybe, but it looks like it's sitting up so oh. high or something like that. But that's got to be what it is, right? That's not like, oops, we accidentally it's, put a C instead a of an C. E. Yeah, but I, yeah, <laughs> it's definitely a C, but I, I feel like the scarf is like covering. It's just a smiley face. I don't know. <laughs> but we know that it's supposed to say E equals MC squared. And I'm just wondering if it's just the scarf covering the horizontal line that completes the E or if it's actually just that's got to be what it is. There's no way they would miss that. There's no way. There's yeah. no way that, that, that that's a mistake. OK, anyway, I don't know why I like I just like saw it and was like, I'm going to say something. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, five years later, Taiju and fucking Yuzuriha are getting married. And they're getting married all week. 
and it's just everything i full wanted weekend, them, maybe everything i wanted for that or full weekend whatever but it's just like everything i wanted i'm so glad that we're seeing that yeah that's chapter one payoff yes we get user house parents yeah Page i 10. like how the mom's hair matches her fucking headphones <laughs> oh shit yo and the dad like kind of looks like he could be taiju's dad <laughs> yeah he just looks like brock right now in this panel yeah old brock. old brock yeah she it might be taiju's it might be taiju's dad actually oh wait know, this like... one oh wait no that's gotta be uh that's gotta be yuzuriha's parents because i was gonna say maybe it... it's taiju's parents instead but yuzuriha's mom is definitely it's definitely gotta be her i mean look at hair. that swirl that's yeah the swirl <laughs> the swirl so this has to be yuzuriha's parents Oh man, that's funny because that means that Yuzuriha really was just trying to bear. Like, it's like, um, oh god, that idea that we seek partners that resemble our parents. Resemble in our some parents way. in in yeah. some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, she really did that. She's like, I'm gonna marry someone that's like my dad. Yeah, well, if that is like you know like a you know Ruichiro and Boichi kind of like. Telling us that, like, low-key, unspokenly, <laughs> and that's really cool, but... Funny. Stanley and Yo got the real blickies this time, you know what I'm saying? The <laughs> real nine millies and shit, the real yeah. Glock hours, no more Stone World Glocks and shit. No <laughs> more top, top revolvers and shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's I like awesome. how they're shooting down gifts or balloons and stuff, just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like that Chelsea came in and, like, brought wedding gifts, and she's like, polish, 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 and boom. Yeah. Who needs a ring? We got fucking minerals, baby. Chelsea's so good. I fucking love Chelsea. Yeah, I am. And now Kohaku's like, yo, Ruri, you and Chrome, you know what I'm saying? What's good? And then Ruri's like, well, she's about like, I already that. said yes. Yeah. I already said yes, don't worry about it. Chrome just pulls up and is like, check it out, I know that I've never, like, actually made a move on you, and that's been, like, a running gag the whole time, but, like, now that we're all done with all this shit, like, we're gonna get married when we're done with all this, right? Like, we can skip the games, we can we can stop bullshitting. <laughs> I was like, alright, hey, bet! Hey, girl, I helped save the world. You wanna just go? <laughs> yeah, ready to be my wife, now that I am bonafide, bonafide planet saver. Bonafide science Ooh. man in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Real manly man. I ain't no caveman no more. <laughs> yes. And then Sukasa, uh, we can just count on him to be that, like, you know, moral, philosophical, like, poetic writing, like, wrapping up, like, a lot of, like, the emotional side of, like, things when it comes to all of the conflicts that we've kind of seen throughout the series. Hyoga, Zeno, and I once bloodied our hands to prevent the rebirth of the old world's hierarchies. But at this point, the idea of such a grim future is a distant memory. So much growth in that. So much, like, like that really just, like, shows the progression of the writing thematically throughout Dr. Stone. I mean, just inside of Tsukasa, this real quick dialogue bubbles for him. Love that. They are right, though. Yeah. Like, once you get to a point of civilization, like, you're going to have rules. You're going to have laws. Mm -hmm. And just because it happened during a time of chaos doesn't mean... You're gonna get away with that shit. Yeah. And it's they're like, like yes, yeah, the... we killed a lot of people. Like yeah. the world was shitty and we saw this as a way to reset and not have the world be so shitty as we bring it back to life. But at the end of the day, it's like just because the world got to a point 
where it was so shitty using these where rules it's easy to do this doesn't yeah. mean that rules aren't important and i understand like, that now <laughs> yeah no yeah. it's crazy because like it would be like the stone world version of like war crimes effectively it's just like hey you know what you you killed like a lot of people yeah yeah and yeah and hyoga's uh, even like by the main case yeah and hyoga's like once law and order is established in the new world we will likely find ourselves judged and condemned and just like resigned himself to that and ukiyo looks at him like bruh you helped save the fucking world with us at this point man like yeah, like, what you did was, like, shitty, but we, like, brought everyone back to life with Dr. Stone anyway, so, like, it's all good, man. Like, no harm, no foul. Yeah. Like, you're on you're on the winning team. You're a part of, you know, the saviors that brought that are, are the reason why we're all here right now in the first place, so I'm pretty sure it's if all good. If there's anything man. I've learned from the anime manga community is that everybody loves a good old-fashioned war criminal. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say redemption arc. <laughs> Oh, no. you said war criminal, and I'm screaming. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah. So this page turn into like hot Senku was just like holy fuck. Funny as hell. Why is this a thing again? I feel oh, like oh. she is a fan of Senku, and it's funny that like you've gotten to a level of popularity and fame that people are just emulating <laughs> you. Yo. Like. Because he even says mistaken identity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, oh, you're not actually Senku. No, I'm just a, a Senku wannabe. <laughs> yes. Huge fan. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. And then I like how they're, like, just breaking Gen's mind, talking about, like, the various things that, the like, the Medusa is able to just, like... The rules of physics that it just breaks. Yeah. It, this was cool to, like, get, like, a further breakdown of, like, exactly how, like, the Medusas work. It's like they're basically just, like, altering the mass of whatever it is they're targeting, whether it's themselves or other things. They lower mass when they need to fly. They raise mass when they want to petrify. All that is cool. But I read this, I read this uh, manga weekly for the last couple of weeks, or at least uh, since the start of this arc, with a couple of my buddies who are, like, big-time physics guys. And my homeboy Jacob, like, read this explanation about the Higgs field and reducing its mass or weight to zero allows it to fly. Sounds good to us, but apparently to people who understand physics a little bit deeper than your average reader. Like, my homeboy Jacob was like, no. Mass zero, that would not be the effect of having no mass. It would be, like, completely different, like... I don't remember exactly how he worded it, but apparently if your mass goes to zero, it's not you wouldn't get the effect of just hovering above ground slightly. Like, it would be a whole host of other, like, wild and crazy things. So hmm. it's it's not really a gripe, I mean, for me, anyway. like it, I'm not a science nerd. Yeah, like, I'm not a science nerd like that. But, I mean, like, at the end of the day, like, we can come to expect, like, really close to perfect science and, like, scientific explanations for things that happen in Dr. Stone and the fact that they're, like, making us suspend a lot more disbelief than we usually do in Dr. Stone for the ending can be, you know, kind of irritating to people, I want to assume. But, like, my my philosophy on it is, like, yeah, even though, like, Time Machine and Medusa, you know, functionality, even though all of these things seem kind of weird compared to the consistency 
of scientific realism that we've yeah. had throughout the course of of Dr. Stone's publication history. Like I'm happy that it's just all shoved in towards the end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like for, for us real. to get like all of this like really well done Newtonian stuff from the start of the series until this last arc and really just like the last like four or five chapters of it is where you put all of like the kind of hand wavy stuff like that's fine we didn't I'm need okay that. We, for a story like dr stone that had like such a mysterious you know explanation on the horizon the entire series while we're doing all of this raw scientific method that's entirely accurate like what kind of ending were we expecting like i could have definitely seen a mind-blowing holy shit this is the craziest ending and most perfect ending i've ever seen like of course we want that but at the end of the day for something that was hinging on such a potentially polarizing conclusion i'm happy with it just being good enough or okay like having an okay ending that's not like super polarizing and having the streets fighting each other like back and forth on whether it was good or bad is everything that an ending for dr stone should be in my opinion, like, of course, I've, we want it to be great, but the fact that it's not terrible is a huge W for a story like Dr. Stone. I mean, it makes you sense know, that some of the hand wavy shit would be it towards the end right. because, like, 99% of the story was covering mm -hmm. inventions that have already been made by humankind. So it's yes. literally just like, here's the steps, here's the material, yeah. this is how we make it, that's confirmed, that's fact. Yeah. This is how. But when you're talking it. about, like, <laughs> When you're talking about like independently intelligent, like alien AI that can free form float throughout space and has like literal sentient intelligence for each and every one of these fucking things. And yeah. then now you're talking about a fucking time travel machine. This is obviously shit that we don't fucking, that we have not invented yet. Right. Okay. So there's going to have to be a little bit of like suspension of disbelief when it comes to the fucking process of how they're making these things. And uh, that's right scientific process that goes into them now for know? the medusas that's fine because that's like the supernatural or, or or extra normal you know factor that we've always known was going to be a part of dr stone like as soon as chapter one hit and we saw that the petrification light did what it did we already knew right away that that wasn't technology that we have that is sci-fi right away like that was the that's chapter one so like you put it right at the beginning and just set that precedent that there's going to be an extra normal element outside of what we're capable of that's going to be expounded on at some point in the series. You give us like perfect Utonian scientific method application from that point until the very end and then say the explanation for that thing that you knew was science fiction already from the beginning is something that's relatively hand wavy compared to the rest of the explanations we've had up until this point. It's not that bad. The introduction of the time machine seems like an extra you know, suspension of disbelief on top of the Medusas that some people might not think is necessary, but I just see it as like, hey, this is Senku. We've been building him up as the smartest mind the world has ever seen since the beginning. Why not end it with him inventing something that real world still has yet to do? Yeah. To just further reinforce that point that Senku is that man. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like, I think it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, so it's totally fine. Feel... Yeah. I feel really satisfied with the ending of this because it focuses on the idea of science being an ever-growing constant, like a, like a constant progress. Mm -hmm. And so having a science... Like, I would be upset a little bit with the series if they're like, Sanku's like, well, I saved the world. I'm going to rest on my laurels. You know, like, I'm done. 
I don't need to do anything more. It's like, no, he, he wants to do more. He wants to push. He wants to break the time barrier, right? Yeah. And, like, I like that they convinced the Y-man that's with them, saying, like, oh, yeah, no, it's going to save a lot of Medusa lives, you know, just yeah. by not having this stuff. And they even postulate, like, yeah, maybe we can, maybe we can't. Here's a couple different things we could do, possibly, if we can't physically transport ourselves or anything, but, like, maybe we can send in data into the past and... Yeah, hopefully have... it's something like that, because I really don't want to believe that Senku is just willingly, you know, throwing the Ripping lives of all of the stone... Yeah. Well, no, just, like, throwing... Like, I, like he's, he's willingly going back in time to prevent the initial petrification, which would then erase all of the stone world born mm -hmm. characters from existence yep chrome and rue would never exist exactly Alternate timelines hopefully yeah maybe it's well, like branch yeah. universe theory or something and and it, it creates I... a branch instead of like a rewrite that would be cool but like i hope it's just sending information wait no because even if you send the information back in the past it would unravel it things. would it would it would still be the same effect because then they would know well i don't know if it would I don't know. I honestly that's, don't know like why, why the time perfect, machine is like a thing. Yeah. It's a perfect ending point because after that point, it could literally be anything. I'm glad that the last chapter involved the time machine because it's just like, it's a nice, who knows? It could be anything. Fill in the blank yourself. Find the answer that you're satisfied with. And some people might even say like, you know, we might never figure it out. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like, we can build it over decades, centuries, even if it takes a millennia. Yeah. They may never actually succeed in building the time machine, but they have high aspirations. And I think that's the important part and a little bit of the heart of the series is that there's A, potential, and B, hope. Period. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I like how uh, there's this little nod to Ray, the artificial intelligence from the Byakuya reboot. On mm -hmm. page twenty-two in the in the Doctor Zeno panel, that's really yes, cool. Yes, I really really appreciated. That's that wild so that much. we're seeing Ray in uh in this chapter because like that's confirmed by Richiro Nagaki as non-canon. So, so it might specifically be... because of Ray, and we were talking about why that decision was made to make the Byakuya reboot not canon. It's because Ray's existence. Is an you know, alternate timeline. <laughs> well, not just an alternate timeline, but it's just like so sci-fi that it like creates too much of a suspension of disbelief for the story mm -hmm. of Doctor Stone. I was assuming was the reason why it was chosen as not canon was just because of Ray. But now uh, Ray is here in this chapter, so it's like it's it's just yeah. in a flashback or like or whatever. Like she's not actually in the scene, obviously, but like still like I think that it is like the parallel universe kind of thing. Oh where, sure. Like in the Byakuya reboot, that Ray exists. But in this world, Ray doesn't exist. They don't know what a and it's literally just a theory that oh, Zeno had. Wait a minute. So they're so they're <clears throat> bringing information into the past now that they have knowledge of artificial intelligence. And they're sending it yes. in the so And they're sending it in the past so that they can create Ray create and make the, the Byakuya reboot, reboot canon. In the fucking alternate timeline. <laughs> yes. So it's not technically canon because it's not the main story. But they, Whoa. I love that the canon story gave a lifeline to the reboot 
as an explanation for why <laughs> it exists in the first place. Nah, he had that shit cooking the whole time. I know. <laughs> yeah. He couldn't tell it's people. not canon. He couldn't tell <laughs> yet. Wait until the last chapter. Yeah, it's it's yeah, not canon no. yet because we have to go back in time and send the information of the Medusa yeah. AI to NASA so that they can create Ray. <laughs> yep. That's so That's fucking it. ridiculous to think about. Feels good, don't it? Yeah, a little ah, bit. A little that, bit. That's, that's payoff. I love that. Wow. I love it dawned on me as you guys were talking about that. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, me too. It yeah, me good. too. Good. <laughs> no! Dude, that little like, song is just like, realization, oh, yes. What a hell of a drug. I'm like, <laughs> yo, the Byakuya shit is the fucking alternate, yo. <laughs> yeah, it's the timeline. Uh, like, I've always been like really excited about time travel and like, movies like the 12 monkeys or looper and yeah, stuff if, yeah. if you guys are interested if any of our viewers are interested in time travel movies the classics the classic one is going to be uh 12 monkeys a good one is looper and the third one that is like my friend personally recommends is tenant tenant yeah yeah where yeah, they have that. i haven't seen it but oh, i remember it's a crazy one about it's that. a crazy yeah. one mm-hmm. please watch it if you if any of you like Time travel in science fiction, that's a good one to help wean you off the soon-to-be void of Dr. Stone. <laughs> yeah, that shit's wild, man. I mean, all in all, love the series. I think I can comfortably give it, like, from what it feels like right now anyway, just coming fresh off the chapter. I want to just, like, I feel like this is just, like, an easy nine overall, at the very least. Um, it's something that I always, like, saw as, like, a 10 out of 10 series, um like while i was reading it and then now that we're here at the end and it's not even like any of my gripes even are even like a big deal but like i feel like not like it might go up to like 9.5 with like a reread or something like that but this feels pretty close to like everything that it needs to be so it's hard yeah to not score it any lower than that but i feel like this is the story that like the end this is the kind of ending that dr stone needed to function like not like oh, it was necessary, but, like, it's a good open-ended finish that checks off a lot of boxes, gives a lot of characters closure, and then also it frames the story as, like, the world's not over. Yeah. The story's not over. These characters' stories will go on and move forward. We just won't be around to watch it. Yeah. It could have easily been an ending. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Somebody in... Yeah. Somebody in the Twitch live chat was saying um, that there's supposed to be one more thing for Dr. Stone from Jump Giga. Uh, yeah, I didn't know about like what, I mean, I didn't know about it being in Jump Giga, but I did, um, I was talking to Shonen OG too while I was reading the chapter on Sunday, and he was talking about um, Richiro Inagaki tweeting something, you know, for Japanese people, and then also tweeting something for, you know, overseas Westerners in regard to the final chapter, and both you know, tweets included a line of dialogue from Riichiro Inagaki that said, it's it's not over, there's more coming, basically. Like, there's one more thing that there's going to be at least. So, so it's going to be like a one-shot. Like what if it's another chapter to the Byakuya reboot, one final chapter, literally hey. putting a fucking bow on all this shit because I'm 100% <laughs> sold now that that is just, like, the timeline that they that was created from them going back in time. Yeah. And it's fuck around, drop another chapter of that reboot. 
Yeah, man, it's that'd be like crazy. Ray stopping the petrification or whatever the fuck happens. Something I don't even. I, I really don't want to believe that the that anything really changes the fact that Ruri and Kohaku and all of them are born. I really think that that, yeah, would, that would be that would really be sad to to know that that's what they're going to do and to not give any writing, you know, like character wise for that before it happens would be a pretty crazy decision them to make so i'm really interested to see exactly what the next thing is that Richiro nagaki was talking about when he said that it wasn't over but um but yeah i don't know i'm just happy that dr stone got an ending it, it could have very easily been an ending that had people fighting constantly with each other about whether it was good or bad like like attack on titan or promise neverland or something but i'm just happy that the ending was relatively well received at least so far you know throughout the community mm -hmm. it's what it deserves yeah. for sure yeah i mean uh, I think it's kind of nice that Taiju brought a cake because this ending feels like I got my cake and I got to eat it too. Yeah. Like, I'm really happy with this ending. Um, oh, he made the time machine look like a Medusa. I didn't even like it. Does. Put that I was going to mention that next. I saw, I saw um, it on the roadmap to like the goal of the time machine. And like, I, and I noticed that that shape on that page, but then I go back to the actual like time machine shit and it's also oh, the thing where he's like, 1819? Yeah. Yeah, eighteen, yeah, and it's just like also a trefoil knot, so I'm like, Love oh, damn. Love that. It's like actually what Love it is. That. I don't know how I didn't notice that before. I feel, <laughs> feel kind of dumb, but there yeah. it is. It's zoomed out. I like yeah. it because like if a tiny Medusa was able to do something that crazy, but mm -hmm. like humans don't have the technology to make something that small still be effective, yeah. the obvious solution is to just make it big as hell. Yeah. So they can make it to scale. Like that's... That's pretty fucking dope. Um, uh, Seko would say, I was excited. Hell yeah. So, so I say, get excited. Yeah, what a perfect last dialogue bubble for Dr. Stone. And this drawing of Senku. So beautiful. Yeah, I saw that shit and I was like, thumbnail. Thanks, Boichi. <laughs> perfect thumbnail. Even his tie, there's. Yeah. Mm. I like the little detail of the tie. He's got Ooh, like nice. this flower got, or something. Like, paisley, paisley. Um, it's got some shit. sort of flower. I don't yeah. recognize it. If anybody in the comments is a bit of a holter culturist or anything, if yeah. they can tell me what the flower is, I would love to know the symbolic meaning of that flower. Isn't that I the feel same? Like it's um, a very intentional choice. Yeah, isn't it the same design that you see on like bandanas and shit? Um. Like. I feel like I see that design on ties like all the time. That's like a like like the standard tie flower paisley ish. Actually, no, I don't think that is the bandana design. But it looks like a specific kind of flower. It to does. Me. You're totally right. You're totally right. Yeah. Other than that, I've got nothing. I'm... Yeah. Farewell, Doctor Stone. Uh, thank farewell, you, Doctor Stone. Thank you for the memories. Thank you for the great conversations week to week. The story, the art, everything. We love it. We love you, Dr. Stone. And yes. Yeah. Let us know in the comment section what uh, series you think we should replace it with. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think. Who do you that'll, believe? That'll be it, it man. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Stone, for all the all their good times. And say la vie, man. It's always yeah. a little bittersweet. Like, I'm always really satisfied at the end of a series. But then I'm just like. Oh, there's no more. Over, <laughs> yeah. It is over there. Very melancholic. Yeah. So, yeah. Sure. But that'll do it. Well, with that, I think we can go ahead and get right into chapter 346 of 
My Hero Academia Super Hyper Unfair Broken Stage. I didn't even know that was the title until right now. That's hilarious because that's exactly <laughs> what it is. I'm screaming. For real. <laughs> Super Hyper Unfair Broken Stage. <laughs> <laughs> It's like that map on Super Smash Bros. with the tree that blows you off. The Kirby oh, map. Yeah, the Kirby I, map. Uh, <laughs> or the Super Mario uh, map that Trouble changes. Or something like that. Super Mario Sunshine map that yeah. fucking changes every yes. fucking 30 seconds. Oh my god. Fuck that map too. <laughs> I got Jesus. a funny ass story from Thanksgiving with Mike and Jack that I'll have to tell you. Jack was literally like running around the house screaming that Mike's a cheater. <laughs> <laughs> I can already picture the entire scene. <laughs> <laughs> it was the grimiest shit I've ever seen on Super Smash Bros, bro. Yeah. But let's continue. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I love this man. chapter, man. I love how, like, this is how they're, you know, kind of showing the teamwork of everyone involved leading into the defeat, uh, or the inevitable defeat of the villain kind of, like, league here. And, like, we see these kind <clears> of, <throat> like, combos, you know, with the whole squad against a common enemy, like, pretty often, I want to say, in Shonen manga. But I'm just happy that in a story like My Hero Academia, they're going the route of it's not just our abilities that are working together in tandem as we bring you down. It's like all of our different strengths, you know, in areas outside of combat coming together to it's work teamwork. in combat as teamwork to defeat you instead of just all of our quirks combined, giant, you know, Power Ranger laser beam to beat you. <laughs> oh, I like I like no, the nuance of, of, yeah, yeah, I like the... You know how deep the the teamwork is is going on the unconventional side of things. Oh man, like I love that. Like Momo and Denki are just like, yeah, I'm Charge Bolt, I'm Creative. Like they actually are like, no, who are you? And I'm just like, I'm this fucking hero. Let's go. Yeah, it's very hype. Like even though they're like, cause like. They all got to be using hero names for this. This is the final bout. You know what I'm saying? This like this final, final form, everybody got, right they, now. They got, yeah. they got their like hero names. They've mm -hmm. really come into their own. Like I remember uh, Denki was just like, oh yeah, no, I'll run out of charge. And I'm, he's just like, I'm powering a flying city. <laughs> yeah. Ah! yeah. And this oh, manga Fukidashi dude, I just remember how much Nickums hated so this character. When he was on the show and we were reviewing this, he's like, this, this power is so dumb. It doesn't fit in with, like, anybody else's powers of how it always, like, seems to have, like, a pseudo-scientific explanation for everything. Manga Fukudashi is just matter, or not, uh, not matter, but reality manipulation. Yeah, like, metaphysical, like, small-scale reality warping. And he just thought that that was so out of place. For but, I mean, idea. after after we've seen a lot of it, it doesn't really seem that way. It yeah. just seems like cataclysmic effect that these like automatopoeia these sounds and effects have on the environments around them you know yeah I mean? yeah it's not it's mm -hmm. definitely not like, like he definitely great. couldn't write like disappear and you fucking you know yeah what I'm well who knows i yeah. mean we just haven't he, gotten enough focus on him but yeah as far as what we've gotten so far from him it hasn't really the same been black i think it's most <laughs> i think it would be most reminiscent of apu's power because that is Ooh. also really centric around like automatopoeia sound effects and like what they're usually associated with within manga like he has the doom attack that's like a fucking boom yeah he has the slice attack i think yeah, yeah it's that, not it's not too crazy it's really yeah. grounded I mean, within the automatopoeia whatever whatever effects they can cover is yeah effects he can have yeah it's not too, outside of that you yeah. know 
Yeah, I don't it's know. got a healthy limit. It's and not it's, like word magic or something, you know. Like yeah, and, and especially Swords. with, um, you know, after a fight like Star and Stripe and like seeing like what, you know, <laughs> yeah. that quirk was. It's like I don't care not, about a Fukudashi guy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely not it's like, that yeah, crazy when you consider Star and Stripe. Yeah, but I just remember how it's pissed yeah, Nick I remember get. too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Oh, God, that was I, Yeah, I also do remember fun. like at the time too being like, not that big of a deal, but I was like, if they were having him do like super extra shit with this onomatopoeia, then like I could kind of hear you, but they don't give him too much despite his power, so it's fine. He's there to be funny, yeah, for the most part, yeah. Until and I now. do like how the dialogue bubble on his head also says "wow," and he's like, "I'm like wow over here," you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, and his like, head oh, dialogue cool bubble guy. actually says I that too. That. Yep, yep. Hell yeah. Oh, and, then, and look. Oh. On the on the bottom right panel of page fucking ten, all of his dialogue is coming out of his neck. You see that? Oh, are you talking about eleven? Eleven. Uh, eleven, yes, oh, yes, yes. Yeah, page. bottom of ten. This plan falls That's his neck. us. Yeah. We gotta give it our all to keep Shigaraki locked here. <laughs> yeah, That's I wanna a see creative it. use of paneling. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very creative use of paneling. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's brilliant Fucking for sure. Spot, I want to say that that's always been a thing, but just never noticed it. I think so too, yeah. But he gets, gets such little screen time that it's like, how could you remember that? But oh, man. That's so exactly. cool, yeah. I love the yeah, I love like, the choreography too on uh, going back a little bit towards the beginning of the chapter when oh, yeah. Shigaraki comes down and starts the decay. The paneling on that page is just fucking beautiful with like the half circle gutter going around mm -hmm. his hand to just give him no background as he touches Absolute down on the ground yep yep it, just to highlight you know the shit specifically and maybe that's like a representation of like the unseen energy that kind of like comes out from decay before it starts to destroying things who knows but it's mm -hmm. just like a creative paneling choice to represent this this scene and then the the fucking shit notices the decay the button it. is pressed it ejects him up so that he can't keep destroying the ground by having his hand as like a constant <laughs> you know, source of destruction to keep the channeling going. So it interrupts that, shoots him into the sky. He runs into the fucking electric barrier while he's all tensed up and locked up from from the zap. Fast Genius grabs him with the shit and just drags him along the ground with Steve another Genius. great example of creative paneling on page six. I love everything oh, about man. it. Yeah, I, I love it because he's like using like what was it stainless steel cables to like reduce the amount of decay and like it's just crazy because i love that page on three where he touches the thing you can see like the ground decay like literally the bottom of the panel decaying at his own touch yeah right like the panel breaks yeah where he touches it yeah and then because of how their defense mechanism is set up I like the idea that they're like, yes, there are layers to the things he breaks. Because yes. even though he's decaying the panel, he's decaying the ground, there's still layers. Yes. And he, he can only affect reach. one layer at a time. So then before he breaks through the first layer entirely, the second layer is coming up to eject him and the decay hasn't reached that yet. So it won't continue to spread because he's been disconnected. <laughs> from his decay contact point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's just that. like so fire. And I love best genus dialogue here. As long as your brain and muscles are still operating your body, then a powerful electric current will make you stiffen up. And I love when 
inside of fictional stories with superpowers, they always tie it back to like a human biological, like physical Realistic element, weakness. despite the power, right? Because it's like, yes, you can get thrown into buildings and survive. You can, you know, crumble entire fucking landscapes with the touch of a hand, but like I can still affect you in ways that are human. It reminds me a lot of um, Dwayne McDuffie's Fantastic Four because he had Black Pan Black Panther was on Fantastic Four during that run, and they've run into Silver Surfer for one reason or another that I can't really remember right now. But Black Panther squares up with Silver Surfer and like throws him in like an arm bar or some shit, and he says something along the lines of like, um, "Your your physique is." You're, I'm, I'm wagering that your physique is is as human is as humanoid as as it appears, and if that's the case, you won't be able to break this hold, despite your vastly superior strength. And it's like cool shit like that, yeah, because it's like Silver Surfer bodies Black Panther one v one, like there's no chance in hell, but he caught him off guard and threw his body into position to where he has no more leverage, and like even though mm -hmm. he's like wildly more powerful, he can't break the arm lock because he just you know, leverage and physics and shit anatomy like that. Anatomy says that. Yeah, anatomy, you know, like shit like that. So I love when writers like do that inside of their their wildly fictional stories. It's just like brings a realistic element to it that kind of ups the tension a little bit for me. Yeah, and I love Best Genius's dialogue here when uh, when Shigaraki's kind of like, yo, like you got a good plan here, but this is a losing game in this battle of attrition here because you, we're floating and you're giving up the ground free. Yeah. And he said, he said, you needn't worry. We are replete with that particular resource. As hey. the fucking panels are ching, ching, ching. And then it fucking um, shows, like, obviously, like, Cementos and, and uh, Momoya like, doing their thing, creating more fucking. Uh, oh, yeah, that is Power Loader. He's moving the shit into place. Yep, yep. Cementos making yeah. blocks, Power Loader moving them into place. Yes. Momo making steel fucking shit. Yes. Just. Everybody playing their part, man. Beautiful. Even Lunch Rush in the background producing high-calorie content food. I didn't even Momo notice this motherfucker. Oh, my God. Oh, I love that, I love that yeah. touch for me. So good. I was just like, yeah, Lunch that Rush, baby. So you haven't been around since season one. Yes, it's <laughs> just un... Yeah, I, I didn't even notice, bro, either, but that's just so perfect to, like, bring it full circle and just complete the fucking... Puzzle. makes total sense yeah that is one thing i thought like man momo can just like she's got no problem with she's her spamming her now yeah. yeah like, yeah. like no, that I'm makes total sense he's in the background on his whipping his shit, shit yeah. on his charming shit like <laughs> he go, industrial he go, rice eat up cooker. eat up yeah look at that really industrial good. rice cooker man yeah that's really you know good. that like the support that's that, yeah that's that chipotle like... rice cooker for real <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Chinese cafeteria rice cooker, like, boom. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking wow. awesome. Oh, I man. love little, like, unspoken shit like that. Like, it doesn't need to be explained. You just kind of, like, see it, and it's tight when you notice it. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how they're just like, yeah, we weren't quite sure how you functioned, but we got enough information that we came up with this to make it work. And it's crazy that they're like, okay, cool. Nezu being like high spec and then having our inventor like co-opt that idea and like change it all up to like create the flying fortress to like replete them and then it's like all those moving parts 
Like it requires like phantasm, it required power loader, required cement toss, the principal, all the charge kids, the electro kid electrokinetic kids, um lunch rush, everybody. It took like twenty, thirty, thirty people to like make that kind of thing function. Period. And it's just for one dude. It's for one dude. But I think that's poetic because like during uh, the Paranormal Liberation Front arc, mm-hmm. Deku said Shigara- to Shigaraki, I won't forgive you. And Shigaraki's response was, I won't forgive any of you. Yeah. He is literally a man against the world, period. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. he does, he resents anything and everyone. He is given up. He feels like he was given up by the world, and so he's given up on the world. And that is like reflected again in his conversation because with against Eraserhead, and he's like, I used to think you were so cool. You turned to be a quite a letdown Eraserhead. And that's because he's like, oh, you're relying on others? Yeah. That is like so antithetical to like my personality that that's weak. Yeah. Everyone was relying on you before, and now you're relying on everyone else. Yeah. Not as cool as you once were. Yeah, and it's just like you just don't get teamwork. Like you've never, yeah, never understood, valued it. Yeah, the situation with Minoma, like like, copying the eraser, but then eraser kind of supplementing the time limit caveat for Minoma's copying ability with constant contact. Yeah, that's just like such a cool and workaround yeah it's a cool workaround that makes enough sense like it, it makes honestly it makes all the sense in the world i wonder though because i'm like trying to like think of like times where where um like an analog for like where i've seen like something like this before i can't think of anything off the top of my head but it's kind of like when you get like an invincibility star in you know mario kart and then it <laughs> Before the time runs out on it, you just like run into another one again and it just keeps it going. That's not the best example. I swear to God, there's a better one, but like that's really cool that like it's familiar enough and makes enough sense. Yeah, it's like constantly refreshing the cooldown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Something like that. Like video game wise. Yeah. Um, And I love the manuals there to like help Monoma not blink. (laughs) And I'm just like, yeah, they brought our boy back. Like, because we were asking, it's like, man. Yeah, we expected Manoma and Eraserhead to function as part of like a team to like go do crowd control and anti court control. Yeah. How are they going to bypass the fact that he has one eye and dry eye? Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. So like I'm glad that like this is the workaround. And yeah. I really appreciate it. I feel like it's a it's a very simple, elegant like slightly outside the box kind of uh thing you know um manoma's all gassed up like look at him like peak confidence like ha 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 we're too tight for you motherfucker what's good main character whooping you up bet you didn't see that coming go fuck yourself i'm manoma (laughs) is okay so i don't know if this is like a typo or a pun staring roll staring role or starring role because he's literally using his eyes to stare at Shigaraki and he is, mm. you know, there are no uh, second best actors there. You are all starring 
you're all starring uh, players yeah. kind of thing. It's got to so, like, be it's a got, pun. Please, please yeah. let it be a pun. Otherwise, it's just a glaring typo. Yeah. Yeah. Some really tight um, on page 12. In the uh, the panel where it's, we are those who stand against the doom you bring. You can see Mirko yes. running along the steel thread. Oh, yes. I just noticed that when I first got to the page just now. And edge shots just raveled, uh, like, you know, twisted. And that little black lightning bolt underneath Mirko is edge shot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. I didn't even notice him the first time. I thought it was um, a tatter of Shigaraki's cape. Oh, like, shit. Yeah. Uh, initially. Mm -hmm. But now that I was like really looking, I was like, oh, damn, that's really cool. Yeah. And like, I love that Best Genus is using fibers and as it decays, he's just like, nope, I'm twisting it off. Like, it's gone. Where is he? I don't care. That? I have. Um, so he's been using the wires at them, but like, they have to be decaying. It's something that is touched, right? Yeah. But I'm I'm wondering if you're actually seeing art that is kind of explicit. I'm not seeing it. Oh, okay, like, okay. I'm okay. assuming because, yeah. like, I don't know that Shigaraki's really gotten a hand on one of them yet. Yeah, um, I don't. Yeah. There's on <coughs> page. Oh six, yeah, on page six. Bottom bottom right hand corner. Yeah. They are kind of fraying. Yep, yep. He broke. He so definitely I've, broke their hold. And then there's a panel after that that shows something decaying. Yeah. That one segment of the uh, ground was launched up high and crumbled in midair. Okay, so that's the section of the ground. Okay, so that's not directly the wires. But yeah, the wires, we can assume that when he damages them to break free, he's decaying them. Yeah. Yeah. And then Best Genus using his fiber manipulation is just like, nah, I'm going to twist that off. I don't know if twisting that off would save it, though, because, I mean, like, it's still the same matter being crumbled away. It's just changing shape. Why would that save it? Well, I mean, the paranormal liberation leader, the guy that looked like Doofenshmirtz on steroids, yeah. like, uh, uh, cut off his leg. Yes, yeah, he cut off the, the leg, but that's like a, a severing from the point of crumbling and separating it from another point that hadn't been crumbled yet. Yeah, if so the, like if twisting the... it off is just like it twists and... Oh, okay, 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 like I see what you're saying. Because yeah, yeah, he yeah. manipulates all fiber regardless of yes, they're connected to yes. each other. So he could twist it and then... Control pop it both off. ends and yeah. just pop it off. Yeah, I totally so I see the like vision now. Yep, yeah, I get it. That's, that's where I was at. It was one of those unspoken things. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really cool to think about. Absolutely. That's probably definitely inside of um, Best Genus, like, mental thought process when fighting Shigaraki. I love that. <laughs> I love that. There's this really cool paneling thing on page 13 where... Shigaraki's looking at the squad that's suppressing his skills, yep. and his eye is directly above Eraser's eye patch. Oh, damn, yeah. Nice. And it's just like, we are both seeing each other, that kind of thing. And I was yeah. like, yeah. Oh, damn. And now that I'm like looking at it for real, Eraser's left eye is glowing as if he's also using Eraser. So they're like mm -hmm. both erasing a different quirk, they're probably. probably erasing two different quirks. Yeah. Uh, the shockwave and uh, decay, decay, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I was like wondering, because when, when, when Eagle was doing his stream, there was a conversation about exactly how erasure works. And Eagle, I think, said something along the lines of, if it's not a heteromorphic ability, 
that's like passive and just always going because you're a heteromorph or something then mm -hmm. he can't he can't you know erase that and we know that that's true because we've gotten raw exposition for that exact situation in my hero academia in like chapter like 15 in that initial you know ua invasion um the very first one um eraser head is surrounded by like 15 enemies and then like one of the heteromorphs comes up and was like i bet you can't erase my shit and eraser was like yeah you're right and then stole off his ass so so like <laughs> yeah, yeah he's like so what i can't erase your shit i'll just beat your ass so i thought that that was cool so we got confirmation mm -hmm. on that but then eagle was saying that outside of that eraser head can just look at you and turn off like all of your active abilities basically and stop them from manifesting but I, but then also i remember dialogue that says that he can only stop one quirk at a time yes so like, so like if he can only stop one quirk at a time Sorry, if he can stop one, if he can only stop one quirk at a time, then it has to be like your innate quirk. I, I, I'm having a hard time picturing Eraser looking at someone with multiple quirks and just having like a mental list of the active abilities that they have in their oh, repertoire yeah. and then just choosing one. And choosing when he's like activating, he's like, I'm going to get rid of their decay quirk. Like he's folk, he's intent on them. Okay, so you are, so you're saying that he can like kind of has like a visual field of what quirks you have. Oh no, I don't think he does. I okay, think so he has how to does he choose? Like do... Batman, he has but to I... research people. Right, but then how does that allow him to then choose which quirk he's turning off if you have multiple? I think he has to just be aware of which quirks you have. Period. And so, like, using the data from like the Stars and Stripes fight, he's like, okay, well, they have Shockwave. They still have Shockwave, and right. they're always going to be using Decay. So, like, at least we have those two to take care of. Right, but like, how you can't do you really get rid of? So, like, if if Shigaraki has seven quirks that he's able to use, and then yeah. Eraserhead looks at him and doesn't want him to use Decay or Shockwave, how does he make that? How does he choose that? How does he make sure that those specific ones aren't used if he really can pick and choose? Like, okay. What does that look I don't like for think him? He... Like he can pick and choose, but like when he uses his quirk, he already has a quirk in mind of what he's canceling. Okay. If they have cool more too. than one quirk. Yeah, that makes sense. You know? yeah, yeah. So he's like, because normally he just looks at someone and like, I want to cancel your quirk, and they only have one quirk, they're right. done. Right. But if he's aware of what, if, they, if a person has multiple quirks, like um, like he did it to Deku, right? Like yeah. He was able to shut down, temporarily shut down all for one when he was doing the fitness test. Right. Fitness pacer. But, but, but Deku only had access to one ability inside yeah. of one for all at that time. But he was still, you know yeah still shutting it down oh yeah so um, you're saying okay so if he if 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 eraser head uses erasure on deku he just wouldn't have access to any of his abilities because the root of them is just one for all and he's canceling that um i think at this point he'd probably have to be like oh you have access to multiple quirks now well i don't know which ones i need to get rid of and he would have to like mm. preemptively think about what he wanted to stop i think it makes more sense that it's like yeah, since they're all stemming from the same point yeah. of origin, which is one for all, I feel mm. like he could just stop one for all, and then Deku just wouldn't True, be able to maybe. use Black Whip or Fujin or something like that. Either way, this whole situation is one where I would prefer it if it wasn't an unspoken thing, kind of like we've been oh, yeah. pointing out. Like, like that's something that, and maybe it has already been explained, and I just like don't remember. But as far as like you know, Erasure versus someone with multiple quirks in one body, it's either. I stop your innate 
ability that you were born with or it's like you said where you know the one that i'm picturing is the one you can't use based on the yeah. information that i have on it i like that uh i don't know i feel like this will be broken down yeah for sure in the next chapter or two right yeah probably That'll just be a good because time for they, it yeah. because they still need to go get deku mm -hmm. and only monoma is gonna be able to get them oh, okay because of his warp is like uh mm -hmm. yeah because warp only has a five minute time limit left on him but like where is um uh shirakumo doesn't he have to be within like a specific proximity like did he didn't um, he leave him didn't he like leave him back at like yeah prison so or like something, there'll so. be there'll be definitely um a time frame where monoma has to go get deku swing back to kuragiri refresh as quick as he can and then go to the flying fortress okay so how does monoma move around if he doesn't have access to that quirk right now uh he should still have it okay Currently, oh yeah i guess like, i guess like, that much time I, I hasn't really passed yeah, yeah like because like um you know fights actually go much faster than we mm -hmm. think yeah. um we were talking like, about how mangaka are able to play with cinematic time in a way that no other medium can so yeah and like yeah. watching a fight happen in a series is usually like fast like like uh grappler baki you know they have like three chapters and like it was only two minutes yeah you know that kind of thing yeah and now that so, i think about it that's not really a thing that's exclusive to manga the way that we were talking about in undead unluck the other day because you can definitely like portray large or small amounts of time in multiple episodes we've seen that all the time like namek will blow up in five minutes and then 12 episodes later it finally it's a blows month up. later yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I, i'll take that one back but i see what yeah. you're saying yeah yeah uh, the parts. What do you guys think of Shigaraki's just like crazy thingies? It's like Tatsuo shit. Just like, <clears throat> like the, yeah. these like more Akira well, that, references. He's just a living Akira reference. So Akira point. right now. That yeah. was that was pretty tight. But that I mean, like Noxy was saying earlier, that was just the one part of the chapter that confused me because yeah. I was under the impression that obviously Erasure was happening, mm -hmm. so I didn't know how he could do in active quirk application like this it seems like this is an active quirk application anyway where he's uh, growing these hands from his body as it's like an activated it's, it's heteromorphic to be honest well i mean because like other examples of other what other examples of like heteromorphs like i don't remember if um i don't remember if muscular was classified as a heteromorph we can actually just look that up right now if someone wants to while i'm saying this or i can do it after i'm done but um like, usually heteromorphs are just born that way. They've always been that way. It's always a part of their body. They're not turning anything on, so naturally he would be able to stop that. But this seems like a you weren't th this way before, and now you're changing something about yourself. So that's where the active portion of, of Eagle's complaint is kind of coming from. Like, this ability wasn't mm -hmm. active before, and now he's activating it. Shouldn't be able to do that while he's being looked at by characters that have erasure. But when it comes down to it, Erasure can only stop one quirk at a time, and we know that in the canon. Uh, I mean, I'm getting I mixed. Mean, if you look at his hand on like page two, you can see that he's got like a bunch of like nubbins growing out of his wrist and hand. His like, and it seems like it's constantly twitching. 
like on page three as well when he like first touches the ground with his right hand mm-hmm. his left hand seems it's like in a state of flux constantly especially when you had those previous chapters when spinner was like looking at him and you could see all the hands and fingers and stuff yeah so his left hand he lost fingers and so maybe this is just a growth from the quirk singularity hyper regeneration and he has malleable flesh that he can like generate he's trying to regrow finger more fingers so that he can touch things with his left hand decay only works when he touches five fingers to a, an object and well, so now his left hand is like this heteromorphic quirk that is just flesh as much as he wants i thought he was able to do it without all five now that was like the whole thing of his quirk evolution against fucking redestro because redestro like broke his shit and Mm -hmm. was like you can't use your shit anymore and he still decayed him with just the three yeah that's right i do remember that Mm -hmm. Hmm. so that was like a big part of his quirk evolution but this seems like a regenerative thing because this was also happening in the tunnel with spinner yeah when he was like all handsy yeah because he seems just weird and again i'm getting mixed shit with this eraser head research like it sounds to me like per person he can only cancel one quirk at a time. But he can erase yeah. multiple at a time as long as they're because in USJ they're yeah. saying, and I do remember this moment in the anime specifically where he's like, boom, like he's going like bop bop bop, giving people like martial arts hands, mm-hmm. jumps up, and you see a fucking scene of him like shoom 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 yeah, shoom, yeah, yeah, yeah. multiple directions. They're saying as long as he doesn't close his eyes. He can cancel like multiple fucking different people's quirks. But only one per person. But probably only one per person. Yep. yep. But again, oh. now I'm getting this. This thing is yeah, saying theoretically, he should be able to cancel all for one because all for one is technically a storage quirk that stores other quirks for use. So uh, if you're canceling all for one, by you know, then by extension, you're canceling all of the quirks extension. that come with all for one, just like we were talking about with Deku. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's it's a weird situation, bro. I just yeah. don't... It's just something that just needs raw exposition at this point. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I see that. Um, yeah. God, he's so Akira right now. Like, the whole <laughs> cape thing, the giant wave of flesh. Like, I feel like he's... he, he The the fingers is gonna be like a, like a heteromorphic thing. He's just raw, pushing it out. Yeah. And then using it as a fucking bludgeon. Yeah, that's wild. And I really hope that, like, Mirko didn't get reintroduced into the comic just to... Just to die. Just to be one shot right now. Yeah, I'd be, like, so pissed. I know that that's not it. I know that's not it. I know Horikoshi ain't gonna do that. Horikoshi likes Mirko too much to, like, let her die out like that. And you want to know what? Hold on, let me look at this. Wait a minute. Is she losing limbs? If you like zoom she in had... on her right leg, when it like when like her you see how her, her like her like naked leg runs into her like stocking, and then her stocking runs into an impact illustration, and then there's just nothing after that, but there's blood splatter and something flying away from the stump. If she lost her other fucking like leg right now or some shit, if she's really just getting like fodderized right now. Um, I think that's the limb that she already lost. Oh, yeah, I think she did lose her right leg. Yeah, her, so it's just the one that she already arm. lost. She's getting yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of ripped off. 
But still, like, let her cook a little bit more before you take more limbs away. Like, dude, she just came back from losing limbs. Let her kick some shit off, at least first, before you cripple her again. Holy shit. And and, and if this fucking giant mass of hands has decay on it, she's dead. <laughs> yeah, but currently... But, but, there, but no, 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 he's getting... Be... No, 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 he's getting, he's getting decay, decay erased probably, actually, right yeah, now. Yeah, it's yeah. gotta be suppressed. So yeah. I think she's living. She's gonna, you know, do some shit. Live. Maybe, like, she's try to, like... Yeah. fish hook his eye out or something like that something brutal she's gonna like, live she's gonna she do don't something. play no games yeah. she's just there to like beat people to death i hope so horikoshi you better not you better yeah, not yeah i think she's gonna get some gonna time say. to shine because she's been in like the background she's zooming in and like if they give that much love to like all the minor characters yeah then top top five like heroes got her turn it's her turn cook. yeah yeah, yeah. mm-hmm yeah, I feel you on that. Wild Jasper, though. <laughs> Holy fuck. This last little, like, war arc is already starting off in such a crazy way. I cannot wait for the next chapter. Man. I'm very interested to see how the rest... Of, I have no idea what to expect out of the next few right. zones. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like the Gunga Village or the, the, the resort. Yes. With Toga. I'm just like, what? Yes, I need that perspective. Like, as soon... Okay, next chapter. As soon as we find out Mirko's okay from this, bring me back to Deku and mm -hmm. Toga. <laughs> They'll be like, where's Deku? And then it'll just cut to him, and he's like, yes. Toga, what do you want from me? <laughs> so... Yeah. I don't know. In these panels, I can see a Mirko in the last couple chapters. Like, she seems like she's got all her fucking limbs, except for the one... Obviously, like robot arm, her left arm. Yep, yep. So I don't know, man. Damn, what if she did lose her leg? That would suck. I'd be very upset. But got to see how it's executed, of course. But just on paper, the thought of it right now got me not feeling too good. Okay. I mean, yeah, you do see this on her right leg, like cuts off on her knee with this like impact yeah. mark. Yeah. And it looks like. Just up into the right of it a little bit. There's yeah. this. That's what I was saying. Oh, no, That's what man. I was saying, bro. Like fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I I feel like it's. But that is the leg that she already lost, though, right? Because she lost her left. I don't here. think she lost a leg. I thought she I just thought lost. She, I feel like no, she, nah, she, she lost her leg. No, nah, I'll tell you right now. Was. She lost her left arm and her right leg in the last war. I promise you. So. Yeah. We just haven't seen like the new bionic right leg yet or whatever the new it's actually yes we have back. actually yeah we did see it because it was like it looked like a um, we talked about it even like a couple of chapters ago you could see it poking oh, out Pistorius, yeah yeah and it was like the uh the bent you know paper clip like prosthetic mm -hmm. leg that you usually see on like olympic runner mark. yeah that you usually see on like olympic runners yeah yeah that have that are amputees yeah it's like a that question like mark yeah and we were talking about how it go? fit we were talking about how much it fit because it looked like a rabbit's foot and mm -hmm. shit. Yeah, or how it resembled a rabbit's foot or whatever. So, yes. Yes. Still but, got it. But, yeah, she could have just lost it again, though. <laughs> no, I don't want to think about yeah, that. No, but. actually, yeah, it is the foot. That that metal foot is right oh, there. Oh, there so it is. Oh, no. Yeah. Yo, Eagle, look. Yo, 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 wait, 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 wait. Oh, shit, yeah, dude. I Do you see, see it? I can see the foot. It looks like a crowbar. I was I was like on I was on a panel of a different chapter. 
Oh no 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 no! Go to go to uh, go to the one. Go to the panel from this chapter, and you can see it. Okay, so when you see the impact at the knee, and you see the thing that's broken off, and then you look up to the right. That yeah, you can see that. It's, that is her foot. The little toes. Yes. Yeah. Yo. I hope she takes that crowbar and just, just whaps him with it. Yo. It just popped off. Yeah, she it just popped have... off. She could pop it back on. Put it back on. Maybe she popped it off herself. Let's go. Hold on. She, this is all part of her plan. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like that, like, that, like, forearm thrust came yeah. at her out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I'm just trying to be, like, you know, optimistic. Yeah. Nah, I bet she she's hardcore. I bet she, like, ends up grabbing that thing and just, like, beating over the head with it. Hell yeah. Joker versus Jason Todd type beat. <laughs> Sorry. I think that about does it for Yeah, I'm good. I'm soup. I'm good. Yeah. I'm definitely good on hero. Well, with that, I think we can go ahead and get right into the final chapter of the night, the Peace de l'Existence, chapter 1042 of One Piece. The victor needs no epithet, which is a fucking hype-ass title and a hype-ass line. That's pretty hard, yeah. But Start with this uh, cover co our cover story, obviously, An Emotionless Excursion, Volume 6. Um, <laughs> take Niji and Yonji to Whole Cake Island, which is weird to me because it seems like a pretty mundane scene. But it seems peculiar to me that Oven, as he's carrying this prison book, looks back with this question mark. Like, he's surprised at what he sees. He yeah. looks back like, huh? Yeah. Because somebody be pulling up right now to... Nah, Something. big mom ain't here, boy. We yeah. finna get our, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, Blackbeard. Blackbeard. Why is Blackbeard on whole cake, though? Nah, he ain't got no reason to get the oh. road pawn it, to get big mom's road pawn glyph that's butt naked right now. Yeah. Oh, what if that's. Ooh, that's good. I was they thinking come of the back. other Kata Curry's in a fucking body cast. The rest of the high <laughs> tiers are over at fucking Wano. It's like Blackbeard's smoking this whole fucking cast right here. Low diff, no diff, almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nah, I was thinking the other uh, Vin Smoke brothers. Yeah, that's what I thought too. So like low. Vin Smoke pulling back up. Like, all right, big moment. Like two It's like there's like yeah. there's more. Yeah, Reiju and uh, and Ichiji. Yeah, Reju and Ichiji and Judge were chilling. And Judge, yep. <clears throat> so I figured it was them. That was my thing. Yeah. But I like that Drake really got the drop on that boy. Yeah. Yeah, that was wild. He 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 Dude, did some he did line, some damage. Though. It's it's cool that like inside of the community, like people like you know make fun of like supernovas and they make fun of CP zero and they make fun of like all of these characters that aren't Yonko or admirals at this point. Which mm -hmm. is just like funny in and of itself, but I like that um, that Oda is showing us the capability of Drake, even though he's not like an all star member of the cast of this yeah. arc. You know what I mean? Like he's still a supernova, and he still gets to have moments like these against characters that, for one reason or another, the community thinks he should have no chance against. Like characters have been getting acknowledged for their strength that, you know, a lot of the One Piece community consider fodder. So I just love that oh, in the storytelling. I mean, most. Yeah. I mean. One Piece has been around for so long. There have been like debates on like if Naruto without the Karama could do this or this. It doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> none of that stuff matters. And it's like, yeah, no, CP0 usually yeah. gets the drop on people. This yeah. time, 
they didn't. Yeah. And Drake got finished. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. He's still like lost at the end of the day. He's like, holy shit, I can't believe. He's like, I can't believe you did that. Yeah, you got a good hit on me. Drake, you son of a bitch. Bow, she gone. You're out of here. So like he still loses to CP0. He got right through his neck. Right through his throat, son. (laughs) Like, yo. (laughs) Carotted. Yeah. But that's just like a cool situation for me. Yeah, um, I love that. Even and though like, like I don't really care too much about Drake personally, but I like respect maybe. his position in the hierarchy and I love that he gets a little moment before such a drastically yeah. I, I'm fatal. I'm not like a huge Drake attack. fan or yeah. either. Um Yeah. Regardless of One Piece. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh wow. No, but like Drake in here, but like um yeah. he's like this is my justice. This is what my justice tells me to do. And I love that CP0 is like I am envious of you. I wish I could do what I felt was justice, but I gotta keep going. Yeah, I gotta, you know. I got a mission to do. I am bleeding out heavily. (laughs) Yeah, dog of the military. I gotta, like, we live two completely different lives. We live in completely different worlds. I wish I could be, you know, living life similar to you, but I gotta get this money. You know what I'm saying? This world government got my family tied up. In a fucking basement somewhere, making me work for him or some shit. They're off stage right. with a puppy and a gun to its head. Yeah, type shit. That's just the kind of like pathos that Oda gives to antagonists. Eventually, mm-hmm. it's like you suck for so long. Backstory. Oh, this is why you're doing this. Okay, you don't suck as bad anymore. Yeah, <laughs> but cool this dude motive. sucks like still really terrible. bad still. Yeah, <laughs> like especially with like the end of the chapter. Dude, which like while yeah. i'm thinking about it we might as well go to because this is actually like a point that actually confused me but earlier in the conversation <laughs> uh for my hero academia i remembered um dwayne mcduffie's fantastic four and like black panther versus um silver surfer and i'm pretty sure that that's what's going on here with you know the introduction of the cp0 agent to this luffy and kaido fight is because luffy goes into a you know, over Kong gun or whatever for this like crazy like clash. And then the CP zero dude like pulls up behind him and hits him with the iron body. So what I'm thinking is happening here is he teleports behind him, puts his arm around Luffy's arm and then activates the Takai to just keep his arm locked in place so that Luffy doesn't have the leverage he needs to continue the over Kong gun, which is just like that scene in Dwayne McDuffie's fantastic four when Black Panther gets the drop on him, puts him in an arm bar, and says your your physiology is, yeah. human, is humanoid enough to where you won't be able to break this hold, despite being way stronger than me. So I think that but that's... You can definitely see yeah. in on page 14 in the middle left panel, CP0 guy is there. Like the, the middle panels, show me what you got, boy. Thunder Bellow, right below Thunder 15, Bellow. Page 15. 15, yes. Yeah, right yeah. below Thunder Bellow, you see CP0 guy running in. Yep. The next panel, he's on Luffy. Oh, he is. I didn't oh, even see that. You see the onomatopoeia grab. Yep, oh, yep. He grabs. Yep. Tekai, Iron Body, and he is just kind of holding his shit back, and then Kaido comes with the wham. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Just... No, he's holding on to the shoulder too. Yeah, something yep. like that. Yeah, but I think it, I think that yeah, I think we we hit the nail on the head with that. I just wanted to focus on that because I thought about it for some reason. A couple moments ago and i fast forwarded to it while i had it in mind but we can definitely go back to the beginning of the chapter now after drake if we want eh, but... i touched on the part that i was like yeah good for you drake yeah you got to live honorably and, well just inside uh... of the fight with kaido and and luffy then i love the fucking um python i love how like you know kaido seems to be having a really hard time with it 
but then he just like goes into like gamer sit up mode on Luffy, like like all right, let me take this serious, like playing Madden. You know what I mean? Like Kaido said, hold mm-hmm. on, all right, bet. <laughs> I saw someone say that on Twitter. A game that you've been playing since they were before they were born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw someone say that on Twitter with the memes, like Kaido said, you know, and then the meme of the dude like sitting up to like play more seriously. And I was like, that's just so perfect because he goes into just a flurry of punishment and damage as he continues through his drunk phases. Drunken thief. Drunken beggar. <laughs> Fucking. Stop. Yeah. That was the flirty drunk on the fan scans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was on the fan. Yeah, on the fan scan, it was um, flirty drunk. That's right. And then. Yeah, so I beggar wonder why it's weird. changed to beggar now. Beggar is kind of weird. Like, how does beggar even make sense there? Because he's asking for him to stop. Oh, just stop. Okay, okay, okay. That's fine, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I think flirty drunk makes a little bit more sense there, but whatever. Especially and then, yeah. with, like, the little heart. Yeah. Yep, and then he grabs him, eats him for a minute, brings him up to the sky, and then, like, blasts Mimics him down. the python with pure speed in the dragon form. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. He's like you can, I, in the I drunken can thief that. form or the drunken thief yeah. phase. Yeah, yeah, drunken thief. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Kaido is such a cool bad guy. I love dragons. It's a really cool design. I like that he shifts from one form to the other. Yes. To like make the best use of each body. Yeah, for sure. And the the then... longer that we've just been getting Kaido right, like every time we get like Kaido writing it like always like slaps like he'll say his things like i'm stronger than you i'm the king i'm you know bah you know and on all of his regular dialogue but whenever he gets deeper dialogue like any amount of dialogue deeper than that it always slaps like i'm looking at page 12 but let me tell you these wano folk have accepted defeat into their hearts weaklings who shun violence casualties who found glory in death i've seen plenty of the losers and van- i've seen plenty of the losers and vanquished here and they all have their excuses strong or just stubborn the victor needs no epithet so which are you like that's just whenever we get this kaido backstory i I didn't really i feel like that's like a grammatical error in the dialogue that kind of like tripped me up there um when it says like plenty of the losers and i've seen plenty of the losers and vanquished here that kind of like tripped me up there but this this line of dialogue is just so fire for kaido like it just deepens in that much more and whenever mm-hmm. we get this fucking backstory, I can just tell from the lead up, the little bits and crumbs that that Oda has kind of been giving us throughout the course of this raid, that whenever it's focus time, that shit's going to be one of the strongest backstories that we've seen. Man. Uh, there's... I just like that, like... There's also the parallel of, like, Odin and Luffy and, like, Kaido just, oh, you got distracted in the middle of a fight? Well, a fight doesn't deserve distractions. Gotcha. And he's upset with this. Oh, no, he's high key upset. Yeah, he's 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 mad as fuck about this because he still follows through. I think he's like, like already in the middle of the momentum, the right? Of, yeah. So like, yeah. the, like he like he was mad when it happened with Odin back in the day. Like that's why he killed the he motherfucker. Killed yeah, he killed the bitch who 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 set up Odin for doing that. He's yeah. like, that's not fucking cool. Fuck you. You fucked with my fight. You fucked with my honor. Like that's not yeah. what we do around here. Bye. And now this CP zero dude has done the same thing and evoked similar 
you know, emotional response, response from from yeah. from Kaido, and now he's about to fucking kill this CP zero dude next chapter. Obviously, I mean, yeah, giving look Luffy... how upset he is in his like the top left panel. He looks. Yeah. It's like a he's combination like, no of like. Like despair and desperation. And disbelief. He's, he's like, I can't believe this is happening again. <laughs> he's like, I think you know, Kaido, this... like, literally wants an honorable defeat. Yeah. He wants he to be defeated honorably. And he's come across two different characters now that he thought could have done it. And he's gotten shysted out of it twice. So I don't know. What do you, do you guys think it'd be fire if, like, Kaido murders this CP0 dude? And then, like, we pan away from these events later on? Everybody's making it up to the roof, like, oh, what's going on? We gotta see Luffy beat the, the you know, become the king of pirates. And like they get up there, nothing's really happening. They're like, huh, it seems kind of quiet up here. Luffy's like knocked out. Kaido's just like sitting in front of him, just like chugging some sake, waiting for him to wake up. Like, I'm not I'm not giving up my second chance at this honorable defeat. We're gonna see how this plays out. Yeah. Oh, uh, what if he does the thing where he's like, uh, another wasted uh it's like another loss. Yeah. Uh, you did well, boy. <laughs> like pours one out on top of Luffy and Luffy just splutters and comes back to consciousness. Like, <laughs> well, I think that like cuz uh, cuz Luffy's been talking this entire chapter about how he's running out of time. This is my final gear four. I have to do it now or I'm going to I have this is my final attack and if it doesn't work I lose. And then he gets battered with the Thunder Bagua because of the CP0 agent. So obviously Luffy is down for the count for this moment. He's going to lose his gear four and he's going to be effectively defeated for a little bit. But the attention is going to shift away from Luffy to this CP0 agent and they're going to fight for however long, giving Luffy the time he needs to recover and then come back to the fight afterwards. So oh. I feel like that's like what we can kind of expect or safely expect. You never know how it'll go, especially in a story like One Piece. But um, that's what feels the best to me right now, because otherwise, I don't know how Luffy just gets right back up after this and continues the fight. So obviously, he needs time for a breather. I think the perfect, you know, vehicle for that is Kaido's rage against the CP0. And CP0 is probably not planning on fighting Kaido straight up 1v1. So he'll probably have a hit and fade kind of Soru-based, you know, movement mm -hmm. strategy against Kaido that will buy time enough for, for Luffy to kind of come to. And who knows, some other kind of distraction can pull up and change the game in, in, a, in a litany of different ways. You never know who can make it to this roof <laughs> and, and stall that, this I out. I mean, um, Luffy's about to wake up Law's in the first... heading towards that. I think, towards Law's, I think Law's spent. Yeah. Law's done, for, at least for the foreseeable future. I think Luffy wakes up and, like, the first thing he sees is, like, this CP0 dude's, like, dead-ass body. Yeah. <laughs> you get, like, the, you get the eye-opening perspective, like, he's like, oh, shit, looks up and Kaido's like, ah, I've been waiting for you to wake up, like, yeah. wasn't giving up my chance we at this time. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, I'm giving you the fair chance you deserve, because I think you hard body, you earn my respect. Yeah. What you need to get back on your feet, you need some meat? Hold on real quick, let me get you some. Let me get you. Wow. A, let me get you some mutton right quick. Get you. Get you back in this brawl. <laughs> Pretty much, man. Yeah. Like, this is. Yeah, I mean, you can see in his eyes right here at the in this last. You know, show me what you got, boy. Like he's he's in that that bloodthirsty. He said, the drawing on his, of his face on the bloodthirsty drunk panel. Yeah. He just looks like <laughs> such a menace. He's a straight up like Wario. Yeah, <laughs> Wario type shit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 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 
Nah, that's hilarious. Love Hell that. Yeah, nah, he's Fuck. he's he's cold blood. He's cool. I like it. And yeah, he doesn't like the whole masters thing either. He's like, oh, CP zero. Nah, you're on to some fuck shit right now like yeah i ain't about it yeah i'm Never excited been. to see this dude get straight trounced next chapter that's gonna be like so satisfying because he's been such a fucking shady little bitch the yeah. entire time and 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 it's like yes force him into a fight so i can see his kit because you have to be cold if you're gonna be running throughout this raid on some fucking sneaky backdoor bitch shit you better be drastic in combat like before you're defeated at least so that you know, i know it's kind of weird yeah. Is that like this guy seems to be like the opposite of Luffy, like the CP0 guy. Mm. He's built up to be kind of the opposite cuz like I was just looking at the last page uh 17 and his hat the way it's set up in uh the bottom left panel kind of looks like Straw Hat Luffy's hat. Oh even sure. Even though I know it's not. <laughs> yeah. And then like Luffy has a scar on his left eye this guy has a scar on his right eye oh really oh yeah he totally does yeah. wow <laughs> the iron body panel like, on the bottom of 15 <laughs> at the bottom of um two at the middle of two where he's like talking to drake and he's like why'd you do this and he's like yep. justice and he's like i'm envy yep. and it's just like ah you are just like a weird little foil of well mini foil someone with power and what they could be, and like yeah. you're gonna be a poor replacement yeah. for Luffy facing yeah. Kaido's wrath. Luffy like, using his influence to potentially change the world for the better, and CP0 dude using his influence to try to keep the world the same. Maintain the status quo. Yeah, maintain just... the status quo. Mm. Yeah, I like that. A little nice cool. visual nod. Yeah, that is tight. I don't think I had anything else for One Piece this week, though. Yeah, I think that's about all I had as well. Shorter chapter, I'm super straightforward. Yeah all contained within just kind of pretty much one perspective which we don't see often yeah not in this in arc one, yeah. yeah not in yeah but yeah i think that'll uh that'll do it for one piece and that will do it for this episode of the project manga podcast thank you all so much for watching if you did be sure to slap a like on the video if you enjoyed it make sure you subscribe to the channel for more fire weekly content also make sure you leave a comment in that comment section down below first and foremost let you know which series you think we should replace dr stone with secondly if you had any thoughts or questions for us chop it up with us down there and as always take a look in that description box down below where you can find any and all links to our individual social media accounts such as twitter online communities like discord audio listening platforms to consume the podcast on as well as ways to support the podcast through our patreon or our online store and with all those words said this will be another incredible episode of the project manga podcast wrapping up i'm your host eagle knox and i'm mellow yes Sarabada.